Hey everybody, you are listening to the We Are Rising podcast, your source for all things Rising and JMMA, news, features, reviews of fights, interviews, etc, etc. This is your host, Andrew Benjamin, and I am joined once again by my awesome co-host, the Chillmeister, Jay Christian Gary from Focus Fights. Hey y'all, how's everything going? <laughs> and... We are going to be recapping the amazing, in many ways, amazing in terms of finishes, in terms of fights, and in terms of length, uh, the Ryzen 19 card from Osaka, specifically the Osaka Edeon Arena that took place on October 12th in Japan while a gigantic typhoon was going on just right outside the arena. Uh, but before we go specifically into each of the fights, uh, Christian, I've got to ask, you were up along with me watching this card late at night. What did you think overall about Ryzen 19? I thought the event from the parts that I was actually able to see because of my shitty internet connection, but from what I was able to see, which was the most of the entirety of the card, I thought it was a pretty epic show. I mean, the fights, well, except for obviously the opening battle on the card, the fights ended quick. And nine of the 11 finishes on the card ended in the first round. So, you know, it was fun to actually see something like that happen. Especially when it comes, especially when it comes down to Japanese MMA, because you know, when it comes to particular television networks, <laughs> Fuji, you know, they try and space their events out to make it seem like every fight's gonna go to a decision or go to the judges' scorecards. But no, each and every single one of these fights were action-packed in some way or another. And I just thought it was pretty damn interesting to see all 12 of these fights have something to offer, even if 99.999% of the fight card ended quickly. Yeah, exactly. I think the overall, the, 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 the feedback I've gotten so far on the card was that people loved it. People loved the finishes. People loved the fights. Uh, people were, and, you know, as well, the other thing that should be noted as well, I think, I guess this, we can also give, um, uh, Fight TV some credit as well. That's how I watched it on Fight TV, Fight.TV, was that there was no internet problems, there was a few buffering issues, but nothing of the sort that you would expect, like, if a hurricane, not hurricane, but a typhoon going on right outside, you figured there'd be internet problems, there would be, it'd be buffering. But I gotta tell you, there was no issues at all. No issues at all watching this card. Um, I think the, I still, I think the only card that's ever had any issues was that Ryzen 13 card, where the same thing exactly happened, where there was a hurricane, or there was a typhoon outside, but in the first, I think it was maybe like the first 20, 30 minutes of the card were, uh, were, were just not coming through because of the, um, of that, of that, uh, uh, storm that was going on outside. Um, for, uh, specifically, uh, what's, uh, uh, 
the show, they drew 5,098 people to this show. And, so um, that means it was at least 80% full. Uh, yes, uh, my understanding is that the, um, is that it holds about, um, let me see, uh, the Osaka Edion Arena. Because also, New Japan does their shows there. Um, I think WWE also do, did a show there as well. Um, yeah, the, it holds about 8,000, um, uh, 8,000 people there. And, let's see, New Japan has drawn, let's, when they've gone to Osaka... Yeah, you know, a little bit more, a little bit less. Uh, you know, it always depends on, I guess, who's uh, who's uh, on the main event. But yeah, this car, uh, I I would have to say eight thousand or five thousand, uh, a little over five thousand for an eight thousand uh, seat arena, along with a typhoon that's going out of the side. I think that's pretty. I think that's pretty good. Do you think that's a? I think that's a pretty good. Um, a tennis record, would you say so? Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, I mean, here's a what you can't really do. You know, obviously, there's going to be people that are. I, I saw that some on the Ryzen website they had sold out some um, areas. I think more near the um, front and uh, the more closer to the ring seats, but there were still seats um, as you get farther back that were not sold out. That you could still get tickets the day of, but you know, I I don't think I don't think there's anything wrong. You know, I I don't think there's anything critical, anything negative about this this that that this that they drew five thousand people for an eight an eight thousand seat arena while a typhoon was going on, um, and, and you know, even watching it on uh watching it live, there was it seems like the arena was pretty full whenever they would do like far out shots, you know, close up shots of the audience. It seemed pretty darn full from what I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, ratings right now have not come out. This show did air live on uh, Fuji TV and uh, the always reliable Karev fan, Karev, a Curry fan, he uh, found, um, I guess, a preliminary ratings of Japanese television for that day or that week. And I'm going to read exactly what he said. He said he wrote, Ryzen 19 ratings may have been particularly low. And there's this graph that he has. Um, I'm going to retweet it right now so that uh, you can see it as well when you see it on uh, Twitter, Christian. Um, okay. it, uh, Ryzen ran from 7 o'clock to 10 o'clock. Uh, and... Is suggesting around three percent ratings. Um, again, I still don't know. Like, I still don't fully understand television range in Japan. Um, but it seems like most coverage, mo- most of the things that were getting ratings that day was related to the hurricane coverage, and mostly everything else was did not draw that did not get enough eyes. Which is understandable. People are gonna be watching television when there's a, a a very dangerous and storm going on right outside where you live. So, um, I th- it sounds it it sounds like probably the rise of rain nineteen rain, TV rains for Fuji TV won't be good, but that's on account of everybody watching the storm rather than watching some uh. Some uh, fights in the ring, some kagatogi. Um, 
You have any thoughts on that, Christian? Well, to be quite honest, it's amazing that, you know, in the eye of storm coverage, so to speak, they care more about fighting than anything, I mean, than any type of warnings that there were for professional, I mean, for, you know, storm chasing, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, also, I just want to know as well, this, this, this weekend, or this past weekend, uh, so like October 11th to 13th, was, it was such a packed weekend for MMA, uh, for just combat sports in general. You had uh, one, they had two shows, um, they both aired on TNT, I believe. Uh, in the United States. Oh, well, actually, one of them aired on TNT. Oh, never mind. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, two shows. They were both from Tokyo, by the way. Those two shows. Um, supposedly they were good shows. I only saw just a few clips from uh, a few of the fights. Uh, also apparently suplexes are legal again in uh, in one. Who would have thunk that? Yeah, just don't tell Angela Lee though. Exactly. Um, uh, there was a UFC show. Uh, main event was Michelle Watterson versus Joanna, not champion, with the co-main event. <laughs> go, co-main. Yeah, even though it was down in Tampa, Florida, so nobody gave a shit. Uh, and the co-main event was Cub Swanson versus former Ryzen featherweight Crone Gracie, who lost his first fight in a mixed martial arts match, uh, by decision. Uh-huh. Um, what else was on? Uh, I think there was a glory show as well going on. It uh, was a glory show, but unfortunately, it was on the fight pass. So again, nobody gave a shit. Uh, there was two Bellator show. Well, there was a Bellator MMA show. Um, that with the main there event. Was Bellator be- MMA and Bellator kickboxing in Italy. Yeah, and a uh, main event of Bellator MMA was Melvin Manhoff versus what's his name? Body, Bati? something Body. Bahiti. Yeah, and Melvin Manhoff, of course, knocked him out. Um, and then the Bellator kickboxing, which had almost Ryzen kickboxer Kevin Ross losing a decision to, I forgot what his opponent's name was, but, um, Kevin Ross. He was an Italian. Oh, uh, Italian, yeah. Um, so there, and I feel like there was like two or three other MMA shows going on as well that may, that maybe some like B rates or, or like higher or or, or higher uh, regionals, maybe RFA or CES may have been also running, I think, as well. Um, mm-hmm. But it was it was a packed ass week for MMA, um, and uh, yeah. So, but uh, Ryzen was uh, the the only sh- it was the only full show that I watched. Did you watch any of the other shows that happened to be going on, Christian? Nope, I didn't. <laughs> mm. But uh, all what... I really cared about was this rising show, and I didn't really pay much attention to anything else. But I did look at the results of a few things. Yeah. Um. Do you think that Crone Gracie is regretting leaving Ryzen and going to UFC after his fight of Cub? Uh, not quite, because he didn't get finished. Oh, that's true. That's true. Um, but, uh, with, with that, uh, Christian, I wanted to, I, I wanted to know, uh, do you want to go right into this fight card? Cause there's a lot of things we could talk about. 
Um, some of them being fight-related and some of them being related to uh, the production. Hmm. You know what? We can spend all day talking about what didn't happen at this event, or we can go ahead and talk about this event right now because I don't... I mean, as quick as this was, I feel like wasting any more time on anything else would do it a big disservice. Yeah, um... First things before we go into the fights, what did you think of Joe Ferraro and Frank Trigg uh, on commentary for this show? That commentary was alright, even though when it came down to the Q&A, I just wish that Frank Trigg was a bit more interactive. I've been seeing a lot of critical comments on Frank Trigg lately. He seems to be well, rubbing... As far as his refereeing or as, as far as his commentary? His commentary for Ryzen. It seems like he's getting a lot of criticism lately. Um, it seems like the English commentators are getting a lot of criticism in general. Um, I'll be honest. I pay attention to them sometimes and then other times I just tune them out. What do you think? Do you think that... Do you see any of the criticism that, they, that they've been getting? Um, apparently they're getting some facts wrong. They've been apparently... Um, they disagree with some of their interpretations of, I guess, um, what's going on in a fight, or who's winning a fight, or what should, or what a fighter should be doing during a fight. Any that, anything of that sort that you, that you kind of can see or relate to? Come to think of it, there is one glaring omission. They basically keep saying that the bouts in Japan and the bouts in Ryzen are scored as a whole, not just round by round, but they keep basically saying, well, you know, if this was a round, I'd give the fight to this man or this girl. I think that's understandable. You know, Frank Trigg is also a referee. And also Joe Ferraro, you know, I think the fact is that... Well, Frank Trigg is a referee, of course, UFC Hall of Famer. Joe Ferraro works on another podcast different to ours, but similar to ours. I, th I, I think I think it's kind of more, they are, they... I do the same thing sometimes as well. I sometimes look at, 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 a, at, a, at a round. It's something you can't avoid just because that's how long... MMA has been done, and how much we see, that's how like the majority of MMA in the world is done is by rounds. Japan is one of the few places where they don't do by rounds, or at least Ryzen doesn't. I don't know about Deep or uh, Pancrase or Shuto if they do it by rounds or they do it by whole, but mostly everywhere else, United States and Europe, I think Russia as well, they all do it by round and so it's kind of like a it's like a habit that you can't really get rid of just because you're so ingrained in how that's how you watch a fight and that's how you judge a fight um yeah that's my that's my interpretation because i even do it sometimes as well um also you know i think when you when you when you when a over round you kind of want to get an assessment of okay this person seems to be winning so far um, you don't want to just make some, uh, an assessment at the end of all three and then try to assess it. I, I think you want to try to look at the round and think, okay, that person is winning this round so far if they were to end the fight. Um, um, I think, yeah, I think that's, you know, I don't, I think, I don't think that's so much a, 
a thing people should be critical of, in my personal opinion. Right, right, of course. Um, but with, with, you know, I don't think that, I think that they get a lot of, um, I think that people are a little bit too critical of them at times. Um, I definitely seem, they definitely seem to sometimes not be too familiar with some of the lesser known fighters, like we'll talk about in the first fight. They don't seem to know a lot about them or like about their background. As the fights go on, the fights, you know, fighters obviously get more famous or they speak English. Um, I think we get, there's a lot more comfortable, they know, there's a lot more information and stuff to give about them. But yeah, we, you don't really learn about so much about the fighters when they're like two, the two fighters that were in the uh, first fight that we'll be talking about. Uh-huh. And speaking of that first fight, you want to go ahead and start talking about that? Absolutely, absolutely. Would you like to start off or would you like me to uh, talk about this, uh, these fights? Well, I figured it would be best for me to start off because it was, surprisingly, the only decision of the event, the only decision of that night. Well, actually, you know, there was, there was one other, there was one other decision. We'll get, we'll get, it was the other, one of the other kickboxing fights, ironically enough. Oh, okay, well, shit. <laughs> then I guess that means out of the 12 fights that happened, 10 of them ended in finishes. Nine of those ten in the first round. But yeah, let's go ahead and get started on this first fight here. Yeah. And that first fight was a catchweight kickboxing bout at 123 pounds or 56 kilos where Seiki Uayama, the shootbox in Japan featherweight champion, defeated Taisei Ume via unanimous decision. Ueyama improves to 23-11. Ume, 7-7 overall. Uh, yeah, so this was... So I actually found Taisei... Because one thing is that, that was... it was I initially said was I couldn't find anything at Taisei Ume. So what I wound up doing was I looked up his kanji... Uh, his Japanese, the Japanese lettering of his name on YouTube, and I found a whole bunch of stuff that he's done for uh, New Japan Kickboxing Federation, which I don't know. Is that the, I don't know if that's a. I know that kickbox New Japan has their own kickboxing promotion. I don't know if like that's their promotion or if that's just like another promotion that just has like similar name or something. Um, but let's see. Um, basically, um, let's see. Uh, oh, you! I put down that Yuyama came out to Nicky Romero's Toulouse. Um, by the way, as well, you were uh, chronicling all the uh, music and all the songs that the people were coming out to um, during this show. Well, all but one. I mean, obviously, I didn't really get quite get down Marcos Yochio's team, but that will be saved for later on this podcast. Okay. Um, but basically what happened was that, uh, Uyama in the third round got, got a knockdown. Um, it was pretty much even round one, two, but the knockdown in the third round cemented his win. Um, and then Yume was also bleeding from the nose. Don't know if it was a broken nose or just a bloody nose, but Uyama won by unanimous decision. Um, pretty good kickboxing fight. Um, you know, this is going to sound really weird. Out of all the fights... On this card, 
maybe you can make one argue one argument for another one. But this may have been my least favorite fight on the card. In terms of what everything else was doing, all the other fights and how they went, this one kind of was just when you compare it to all the others, which kind of just like, I'll be honest, I didn't even remember it until I until I uh, looked up the uh, the card before uh, like the the day after. Totally forgot about this fight happened. So basically, to you, it probably felt like an unknown prelim, right? Yeah, it was basically. Yeah, it was basically. It was this. this yeah, um, it's uh, an unknown prelim, I guess. Um, and, and you know, we did both pick Uyama to win because we didn't think that Ume would have that much. Ume is now seven seven, even record. Um, but um, I, question. I guess the least I can we can talk about this fight. Um, do you think that Yuiyama is is tension worthy in terms of fighting um, tension? Because clearly, it seems like I think that they're trying to find some sort of kickboxer to fight tension for um, their New Year's Eve show. We'll talk a little bit about another one that happened. But do you think Yuiyama versus Tension would be a? And this is all oh, by the way. This was Yuiyama's second Ryzen match. Uh, he had one um, at Ryzen. I believe it was Ryzen 16 where he faced Kengo and knocked him out in the first round. Uh, but uh-huh. would you uh, say that Yuiyama would be a good matchup for Tension? Um, to be honest, not really. But with the fact that Tension Nasukawa is currently, you know, trying to get everything together, you know, for a potential New Year's Eve Super Bout. And, of course, there's another person that we will be talking about saying that he wants a fight with Tenshin Asakawa. I mean, you just never know who Ryzen's going to get for this big fight card for New Year's Eve. The biggest fight day on Jap- the biggest fight day on any calendar, really. But still, you just never know who they're going to get for Tenshin Asakawa. All I know is that Seiki Koyama is mm, maybe not tension worthy, but he's definitely worthy of getting like a name opponent for his next battle. Even though, to be quite honest, I don't know many names in the world of kickboxing that weigh 123 pounds and that are known throughout the world, especially in the U.S. <laughs> So if he's if, he, if this was so again you said this was a catchweight so I'm guessing he probably fights at 115 probably. That's what. Oh, I, you mean like pack mule straw weight? Yeah, something like that. Hmm. I mean, it wouldn't be crazy because you have to think. Japan is really the only place. I mean, Japan and Thailand are the only two places where you got those small guys. Doing kickbox. Um, yeah, it's so funny that there's a lot of people, there's a lot of kickboxers in in Japan that are more at that weight. Uh, and but there's just like so many that like we just don't know about them. Um, question about Ume: Would you give Ume another shot in Ryzen? Fuck no. Because he's seven seven now. Yeah, he's. I mean, if you think about it, the dude is seven and seven. The dude needs to work 
on his record a lot more. The dude needs to improve, you know, and being at 77, I understand, yeah, it's right at 500, but you need to improve on that record. Otherwise, you know, as they say, if you don't evolve, you what? Um. Uh, Dissolve. Oh, okay. Dissolve. Okay. Okay. If gotcha. you don't evolve, you dissolve. Um, and I think that's what Taisei Ume needs to do. He needs to evolve. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um. Yeah. So I mean, there's really nothing much else I don't I I have say have to say about the fight. Anything else you want to say, Christian? Or do you want to just want to go on to really? What set the rest the the rest of the uh pace of the of the card with the next match? Yeah, let's go ahead and talk about the battle of as the folks at New Legacy Inc. say the Super Big Boys. <laughs> yeah, let's go ahead and talk about this open weight fight now between Chang Ki Kim, aka what what is he? I mean, because I realized that in the video. That there was some weird translation with Chang Ki Kim's nickname. Oh my! Did you oh. Catch that okay, so uh, okay, um, Karev fan as well. By the way, Karev fan speaks fluent Japanese. I think he's even Japanese. Um, was like recording all the, um, what do you call it? The all the ni weird BTR nicknames. Videos? Yeah, he was giving all the names of uh, because apparently. They were giving all these weird nicknames to a lot of the fighters. Um, let me see um, if I can get them all back. Um, uh, but yeah, they they called them something. I think it was like Goblin. Was it? Was it? They called them something Goblin. Uh, oh God. Let's see. Do, 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 do. Uh, do, 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 do. Okay, let's see. This is great radio, folks. Great radio. Oh, by the way, Ferraro, I didn't hear this, but apparently Ferraro said, This is a figurative and literal calm before the storm. In the ring tonight, you're going to see an absolute disaster. And I don't know if that was the best thing to say, Joe. Um, <laughs> that yeah, especially considering the fact that you know, considering how skinny Joe Ferraro is, who's to say that Chang Hee Kim wouldn't have came out of that ring into the English commentary position ah, yes. along with his asshole? So, uh, <laughs> Karev fan, apparently, so apparently, Rising gives their own nicknames to fighters, I think. Um, that's the that's the thing I got. Apparently, they called Chang Hee Kim Korean Goblin Pumpkin. Oh, God. He's Korean, certainly. I don't know about Goblin, and he's probably eaten a few, few pumpkins in his, uh, in his life. Um, yeah, the motherfucker's probably built like a giant pumpkin. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah. Um, but either way, the giant ass pumpkin got knocked the fuck out by Shoma Shibisai, who came out to. Uh, are you a fan of any of Jackie Chan's music? Because I think the weird thing was the fact that Shibisai came out to this damn Jackie Chan song from like the 80s. 
<laughs> but you mean Jackie Chan, the martial arts actor? Yeah, he also sang too. I mean, as weird as it is, I didn't even know the song. songs are best used for instrumentals. <laughs> I didn't even know he was a singer, and I didn't even know he came out to the song by Jackie Chan. I uh, yeah. um just to correct you as well, but, Christian. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, but still, Chibi-Sai not. I mean, Chibi-Sai. He didn't knock out Chang Kee Kim. He submitted him with a standing kimura lock in one minute and nine seconds of the first round. And if I can say what Chibi what Chibi-Sai said, he said in the post-fight interview that he dedicated himself to MMA so much that he quit his full-time job. But he still managed to get the win and was dedicated in doing so. He also wanted to put his name down on a potential fight for Ryzen 20 on New Year's Eve. Against who? Who the fuck knows? But continue what you were trying to say. Oh, well, it wasn't a standing Kimura. He got the Kimura. So, what happened was that it looked like Chang Hee Kim was going to bullpirev him. Ironically enough, that was the other fight that Shiba Sai had at Ryzen 11. One of the worst fights in Ryzen history. Um... But then uh, he managed to lock the Kimura uh, in the stand position, but got got him down on the ground and was able to get the Kimura on the ground. Uh, and that's and that's how Shang Kim went from was it I think he's one and four now. Sorry, one and five. Um, and yeah, one and five with one no contest. And you know, truth be told, that fat motherfucker ain't rising worthy. Or any or any promotion worthy. He's not even road FC worthy. Uh, so, you better believe that they gonna hire his ass again to fight. Well, okay. So, question: What about from at least a what do you call it? a a freak show perspective? Does he go beyond? Do you think that like he goes beyond like the the what is a freak show? What you expect out of a freak show? Is he like not even on that level, Shang He Kim? Not even on the fucking pedestal. I mean, let's face facts. He could be fighting Osuna Rashi, you know, the guy who lost to Bob Sapp for some odd reason, who surprisingly is undefeated in rising competition. And he still wouldn't be on that level of freak show fights. I mean, hell, he could even fight Alexandru Sandulungu, you know, the former pride fighter and K-1 fighter from Romania, and he still wouldn't be, a, you know, freak show attraction. Mm. Now, Shibasai as well, uh, uh, post-fight interview, said he wanted to fight for New Year's Eve. Uh, and Yeah, I just mentioned that. Yep, and uh, Jay Kuhn seemed to be very interested in uh, fi- wanting to fight him. Or at least, you know, put his hat in there. Uh, do you think that would be an interesting fight to make? Jake Kuhn versus Shoma Shibasai, presumably at heavyweight? Well, here's the thing. As we all know, Jake Kuhn is a big name in professional MMA, obviously. He's got way more experience compared to Shoma Shibasai. Shoma Shibisai being 4-2, Jake Hume being 14-9 in professional MMA. But, you know, with no other big name is going to come out for Jake Hume wanting to face Jake Hume, I wouldn't be surprised if Rice and Shaq, these two fighters, are about together. Uh, what about Rocky Martinez? 
versus Shomashi Desai? Well, you know, that's the thing. I mean, Ryzen did say, if I remember correctly, that he has, I mean, that Martinez does have one fight left on his contract, and then he's going back to deep to defend that Megaton title, unless that already happened. But, you know, if Ryzen can do, you know, a do if they can do a good deed and, you know, bring Martinez back on the card and, you know, book him with Shomashibi say, I think that would be a pretty interesting battle as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that they should, uh, that for his fights, that they should only take place around a moat? On a moat, I should <laughs> say. <laughs> you know, it'd be funny if Ryzen and Ganryujima were to work a deal where that would happen. But no, it would be too comical. Hmm. It would be way too comical compared to Bob South versus fucking Kaniku, man. <laughs> well, uh, you'll be happy to know that we both picked Chibisider win. It's a good thing that he did one. Had uh, Kim won, probably have to say that Chibisai quitting his full-time job would not have been a smart decision. So... Um, yeah, but at least he got the win, though. Oh, no, I'm just saying that if he had lost against Kim, uh, it would not have been a good idea to quit his full-time job to become an MMA fighter. Because if you're losing to Chang Hee Kim, I think you, you, you need to have some reassessments in your life. Or at least in your career. <laughs> exactly, dude. Exactly. Uh, with that, shall we go on to the next fight? Ah, uh, yes. And, you know, I think you tweeted this out. You know, what's more rarer, a rising welterweight bout or a unicorn? Uh, oh, no. no. Uh, we got a kickboxing match next, Christian. Oh, okay. But either way, this bout was contested at welterweight at 170. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. This, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, in welterweight, I mean, in MMA and kickboxing combined, there have probably been lesser rising bouts at welterweight. Yeah. Than any other weight class that they featured on in this promotion. Yeah, and I think I, uh, and, you know, it's funny that there were two, one in one in the MMA and one at, at um kickboxing, which I totally forgot that like this was at kickboxing bout because I'm gonna explain why, um, in a second, but um. Well, actually, you can explain why during the Nakamura Marco Shoshio fight, which is you know. Up fights, but still on to the kickboxing bout first. The Prince, no wait, actually, shit. On to the kickboxing bouts first. The Kumiko Nishi shocked everybody by defeating Hiroya Kawabe, who came out for a brand new Maroon 5 song that nobody gave two shits about outside the top 40. <laughs> Anyways, Konishi, TKO, Hiroya with a first-round flying knee. I don't know the exact time of the bout. I mean, when I tried to listen to when I tried to listen out for it, it was completely out of my reach. But still, Konishi knocked out Hiroya with a flying knee TKO in the first round. In his post-fight speech, Konishi thanked Hiroya for taking the fight on short notice and the fans who cheered him on. His original opponent, of course, Shintaro K.O. Boy Matsukura, the Miami-born try-hard gym representative, wanted to fight him, but he couldn't due to a right eye cordial injury. So when he heals up, when Masakura heals up, 
He wants to see to it that those two face off against each other again. But with the win, Kalishi improves to 22-5-1, Hiroya to 34-16, dropping to 34-16. But I got two questions about this. First of all, do you think that if this was Masakura versus Konishi, the result would have been the same? And seriously, what the fuck was Hiroya there for? Well, um, Christian, I'm having here that, that, that uh, Matsuoka got pink eye. Oh. Matsukura, excuse me, not Matsu Matsuoka. Um, Matsukura got pink Matsukura. eye. Matsukura. Yeah. Um, that's what it says on Tapology. Um, but nonetheless, he suffered some sort of eye injury. Um, or, or something related to his eye. Um, hopefully it's pink eye and not cornea injury, because that's really bad. Um, so, you know, it's interesting as well. Um, the, the thing about, about this fight was, so, well, actually, let me explain a little bit about this fight. So, this is at 170. Takuma Konishi had a fight at the Yaranoka card in December, where he fought Yuta Ichida, Yuta Uchida, at light heavyweight, or I think it, I think it was, um, a catchweight light heavyweight, uh, 202 pounds to be exact. So, but Uchida... It was more so cruiserweight, to yeah. be honest. Konishi is mostly a middleweight, Kickboxer, one eighty-five. Um, mm -hmm. So he was the the smaller guy going to that match. With this match, um, Hiroya is a lightweight, and so basically took the fight probably at his walk walking weight at one hundred seventy pounds. Um, also, just want to mention as well that uh, that Masakura is also a member of the Try Hard Gym, which Hiroya. And Taiga, who we'll be talking about next, both are, uh, I think they run the gym. Um, the try-hard uh, gym. And um, kickboxing gym. But, funny how the tables were turned when this fight was made, where Konishi was clearly the bigger guy. If you, I even said uh, that, that watching this match, um, that Konishi looked two weight classes bigger than Hiroya. Um, re regarding Masakura... I, I picked Konishi from the beginning because, again, Masakura was a welterweight uh, kickboxer. and uh, Excuse me, lightweight kickboxer. And going up a weight class as well. So, I think the, the result would have been the same with Konishi winning. I don't know if it would have been the same way with the fine Tiger Knee uppercut uh, that he got on Hiroya. Um, but Hiroya, why he took this fight? I guess they had nobody else. You know, that, you know, I don't know how many welterweight kickboxers there are in Japan, uh, especially, you know, asking, uh, you know, on such short notice. This is maybe, it had to be, I think it had to be two or three days. And it was at least the same week of the card, because I remember, remember we, we messaged each other on Facebook, like, oh, they another fight got changed, and it was this fight. So, it was definitely incredibly short notice. Um, even shorter notice, I think, than the Reina fight. Um, which we'll be talking about, but oh yeah, man. let's 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 talk about that in as minimal as possible. Well, but well, yeah, it, it, but yeah, when it comes to you know the short notice thing, when it comes to short notice fights, I mean, you think that there would be like 
you think that there would be standby opponents for something like this. And yeah, I get the fact that, you know, you can't have a fighter from another country fly all the way around the world just to take up a fight in less than 72 hours, especially with a fucking typhoon hovering over country that they're trying to go to. But, you know, it's the type of thing you need standby fighters for. Well, you know, it's funny, because that's what the UFC does. UFC, if they have, like, a title match, they'll have usually one or two weight class, or fights of the same weight class um, on the same card. Usually co-main events, maybe on the prelims or opening the card. Um, Ryzen doesn't do that, I've noticed. They seem, they seem to just... And well, here's the thing as well. Welterweight... What are you gonna do for welterweight? We talked about it before that welterweight is one of the one of the weight classes that Ryzen doesn't really give a shit about. It's like if you had you know a not like if if the, if you had like one of the uh, 155 uh, lightweight matches, something go wrong or super atom weight, you can find when you can find somebody easily enough for those fights. But 170 seems to be just so hard. Um, we give a lot of props to Hiroya. By the way, also. Apparently, um, on the uh, VTR, they were calling Hiroya Masato 2. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, don't ever... I mean, I understand they were trying to put over the fact that, you know, he's a disciple of K1 legend Masato. Don't ever fucking put, you know, those two names in the same sentence again. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's really not much that, well, actually, I'll also say that this, this card, uh, this fight, uh, made a, uh, theme that, that family members on the card were not going to be doing too well off, uh, uh, whatever you call it, um, direct fam family members, I'll say, we're not going to do too well on this card. Since uh, we had basically what you were trying to say is siblings, siblings, that's it on this night, yeah, because we had four. And I don't mean in a sexual sense yeah. either. We, we had four <laughs> fights that had that involved four siblings, uh, so we'll be talking about that later. But, um, I mean, it was a cool finish, it was an absolutely cool finish just seeing that knee. And then actually, he did get a, a knockdown on Hiroya before, but the knee was just a beautiful, like, jumping uh, tiger knee uppercut, as I call it, from uh, for all you Street Fighter fans. Um, so question, Hiroya, um, I'm guessing he'll be back and probably in Ryzen because he's got a big enough name along with his brother Taiga, uh, but what about Konishi? Do we see Konishi come back and have a third fight in Ryzen at some point? You know, I wouldn't mind if they did, We run that. Uh, surprised if they did. Uh, I we want try to do that fight against uh, Masakura maybe. You know what? That would be fun if they were to do that because if Rise can't have it done, I would definitely see Ryzen do that. But again, I wouldn't be surprised if Ryzen said, "No, you're gonna have to wait your turn." Or, no, we got something else booked in mind. Why don't you give us a call back later? Gotcha, gotcha. Um. What do you think of this finish, Christian? Did you like the finish? Did you like the fight? Anything you want to say about this match? Mm, not really. <laughs> I mean, aside from the fact that the finish was amazing. Um, I want to also know a little fact about Konishi. 
he quit his job as well as a firefighter to uh, go into uh, full time kickboxing. So kind of like Von Archuleta and Bellator. Um, he was a firefighter. Oh uh, yeah, he's a firefighter. Um, but yeah, I guess we want to go to the onto the last kickboxing match of the card. Yes, let's go. And of course, you did mention a trend that it was brothers losing on this night, and of course, both of the Kawabe brothers took their L's in spades. Mm-hmm. As the Prince Taiju Shiratori. The Rise Kickboxing 61 kilogram World Series winner knocked out Tiger Kawabe. No, it actually defeated Tiger Kawabe via unanimous decision. Defeated the Hypernova Tiger Kawabe via unanimous decision. Shiratori improves his record to 18, 5, and 1. Tiger Kawabe sees his record drop to 21 and 10. In his post fight speech, Shiratori thanked everyone for Brave and Typhoon Hagibis to check out the show and thanked Tiger for accepting the fight. He wasn't happy that he didn't get the KO, but he wanted to be more humble about getting the win. He also wants to fight on the New Year's Eve card and get tougher competition booked for so, so I gotta ask, do you think that Shiratori will potentially get tough for competition, and as far as Tiger is concerned, has his dreams of face intention Nasukawa completely dashed? Well, you know, it's funny that this fight, um, I think going to this fight, not a lot of people were on Tiger. Or thinking Tiger had a chance of winning. It's like I think these two could have faced off in the rise in that in that rise uh, tournament that they just had because they're in the same weight class. But uh, he lost. Uh, Tiger lost in the uh, first round, and would have I think it would have gone to face Shiratori next. I think that's what Rise was trying to hope for. Um, but I think you know you know with Taiju, he's he's an interesting case. He's very tall, lanky, six feet tall, very tall for that weight class. Um, but we saw in this fight, and by the way, this was an incredible fight. Because the first round was kind of just Shiratori just making Tiger look like a bum. Second round, and this is another thing we gotta talk about. He got he got one knockdown in, in the first in the in the in the beginning of the round. It looked like Tiger tried to try for a lunging punch, but then Taiga hit him, and then that, that he got knocked down because of that, the ref ruled that as a knockdown. And then the second one was a weird knockdown. And what happened was that, I don't know, it looked like he, he knocked Taiga on the, on the back of the head, either, I, probably unintentionally, but the ref still ruled that a knockdown, even though it could, I interpreted it as a slip. Do you remember, you know the second knockdown I'm talking about, Christian? Um, I can't really remember it off the top of my head. Okay, but but, uh, but then the third round, and do you remember what happened in the third round, right, Christian? Um, not really. Third I round. I don't really remember much about the fight, but thir- go ahead and explain. Third round, right at the beginning of the round, uh, Tiger gets this 
gets this gets this left hook knockdown on Tai uh, on Taiju, and the audience was going crazy, absolutely crazy, because this entire time he's trying to, he's trying to reach up and, and hit this this giant of a man. He finally gets one on him, and so it looks like he's gonna turn the fight in his favor. And this entire time, and during the entire fight, he's trying to go for the same thing, trying to knock him down. He's swarming Taiju. He's swarming Taiju. Taiju is trying to trying to uh, tie up, you know, to try to you know give him some space, give you know let the time ring out. And they're smiling at each other. They're hugging each other. They're fist bumping each other, whatever. And unfortunately, Taiga does not get that one. And like the third round, Def, I think went to Taiga. If you're gonna judge by rounds. Uh, I mean, Taiju, like you said, won by unanimous decision. But Taiga made a comeback in the third round that was so awesome and just so exciting that if they had given it to him, I wouldn't have been angry. Um, and it, it was, like, so exciting. I definitely have to recommend you go back and watch it, Christian. It made the fight. Because I think a lot of us were just thought that Taiga was going to walk through Taiga. Um, but that did not happen in this match. It was incredibly exciting match, in my opinion. Um, um, will Taiju get better competition? Sure, you know. Um, what about Taiju versus Kaido? Um, what, 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 this was a, what was the weight class again? Was this 125 or 135, Christian? 136. 132 kilos. I gotta remember, what does Kaito Ono do? He's been doing a lot for kickboxing now, apparently. That's what um, I was told. Uh, for shoot boxing. Um, he fights at... Uh, oh, he fights at featherweight. Mm. I guess it's possible that Kaito Ono could get down. He is shorter than... Uh, than um, Taiju. Possible that he could get down to that that weight class. Um, is, is there anybody who you think would be good competition for uh, Taiju, Christian? To be honest, I don't quite know. Maybe Genju Umeno. <laughs> Didn't they fight? The I think they fought. Just beat. Yeah, I mean, uh, do, well, here's the thing as well. Um, since this fight almost went to Taiga. I wouldn't be. I would. I wouldn't mind if they ran this fight again New Year's Eve, uh, as a as a rematch, just because of Tiger's comeback in the third round. Um, they they branded uh they the Ryzen was branding uh Taiju as the uh, Prince of Kickboxing during this match. Um, also Frank Trigg also knocked um um. He got this, um, he said that Taiga could have won this, but he spent too much time slapping, slapping hands, um, so in my opinion, oh, he lost. Oh, I think I remember, he spent, I mean, I think Trigg said something along the lines of Tiger could have won, Tiger could have won, but he spent too much time glad-handed. Yeah, do you, what do you think about that? Do you agree with that? Do you disagree with that? What, any thoughts on that? I mean, you know what? once I have to agree with Frank Trigg because Tiger basically cost himself the fight. You know, being unaggressive. Yeah. Do you remember for, uh, when way back, I forgot what USC this was, Pat Barry and Crow Cop had a fight that was maybe one of the worst fights ever until Crow Cop knocked him out. 
They kept mm. on hugging during the match. Like, you mean clinching? No, not clinching. Like, hugging respect. Oh, God. Um, and yeah, I do think that Tyga, you know... Listen, here's the thing. Save all the, the, the hand slapping, fist bumping, smiling. Save all that shit for after the match. I get it. You're excited. You're, you're happy that, you know, you got the knockdown. You're, you're getting the adrenaline pumping. But listen, man, and for, the, for those three minutes, uh, for the rest of the round, you just focus on winning. Do all, be all friendly shit after. Don't have to do any of that shit during the fight. Even, even if you're winning, don't, don't do that, man. I, I, a lot of fighters do it. I, and, you know, again, I know that fighters are human. These are, you know, the, we aren't, they aren't bloodthirsty monsters that are trying, well, not all of them. Most of them are not. But, you know, again, your goal is to win that match. Win that match and, you know, get another match, um, hopefully. Um, what do you think about, what do you think about uh, Tyga, uh, though? Do you think they should re- do a rematch with these two? If they don't, I think that Tiger should probably go fight for Rise. What about Tiger versus Tension? That's the fight that he so desperately wants. Do you think that Tiger is tension worthy? Uh, if so, would you book it for New Year's? Well, to be quite honest, I think whatever possibilities that Tiger had, you know, I think whatever possibilities Tiger had in fighting Tension. Probably all, but went down the drain, so to speak. Yeah, I think. However, I do think that when it comes to a potential fight with Tenshin Asakawa, that Tiger would probably, you know, be a more suitable opponent. You know, in case they don't have anybody else picked out for Tenshin that ain't a foreigner or that nobody really truly knows. Yeah. Um,. I mean, if they do a match with Tiger versus Tension, here's the thing. I think that Tension will finish him in the second round, I'm going to give him. Um, I know that's a fight that Tiger's been wanting. Um, after, after this fight, you know, hey, I wouldn't mind seeing him again in the Rising Ring, but he is certainly not going to be Tension. I do not believe that at all, no matter what weight class. Uh, that's my thoughts on that. But, um... Yeah, other than that, Christian, anything else you want to say about this fight? No. I don't have anything else to say. Shall we go on to the the, the continuation of the MMA matches? Yes, we should. And, of course, that rare unicorn that is the welterweight division of Ryzen. Kitake Taro Nakamura, a.k.a. Mr. Shizuka Sugiyama, made his first... Jap- I mean, fought in his first Japanese MMA fight since 2015, knocking out Marcos Yoshio Marquinhos de Sousa via first round ground and pound TKO, 1 minute 15 seconds. Yes. K Taro, with the K pose intact, upped his record to 35 and 10. Yo- Marcos Yoshio de Sousa, the former Real LC and Arzalet fighting champion, sees his record drop to 8-2 and two in his much-anticipated Ryzen debut. In his post-fight speech, Keitaro basically told those who doubted him, like us, to fuck off. Kind of. 
Mm-hmm. He also stated that, I mean, after he brought his family into the ring, of course, he also brought. He also stated that Kyoji Horiguchi brought prestige to the flyweight and bantamweight divisions, but Nakamura basically wants to be the standard bearer. No. Nakamura wants to be the standard bearer at welterweight, probably beyond. And he also states that he wants to be not on the Ryzen 20 card on New Year's Eve, but on the Bellator Japan card on December 29th. So all I got to ask is, and, you know, I guess we both got duped by John Hyun Ko when it came down to this. But do you think that Kitaro... I mean, do you think that Keitaro Nakamura has what it takes to, you know, make sure that there's a relevant presence in the upper weight classes for Ryzen? And do you think that, you know, Keitaro will probably get a spot on that Bellator Japan card? Um, I think so. I, I mean, here's the thing. I think the welterweight division will always just come down the Ryzen, whether they want to take it seriously or not. Um, if they don't, I'm sure that, you know, Keitaro could always, you know, like you said, you know, it felt that Bellator Japan show, he's probably better off going on that one rather than hoping that the Ryzen will, that Ryzen will book a, a welterweight match for their New Year's Eve show. Um, yeah, that, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. Could he get down the white weight, you think? In case of like, there is, there's, there's no welterweight future in Ryzen. Probably so. Yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. if Bellator Japan becomes a thing after December 29th, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he does become a fixture at those shows. Um, you say Bellator Japan, like, it's a, is it going to be, like, is that like a, like a regular, like, running thing? Or do you mean like an offshoot promotion? What do you mean by uh, Bellator Japan exactly? Well, I mean, given from what we know from that press conference that happened days before Ryzen 19, I think what Bellator is trying to do is that they want to run, like, they basically want to do in Japan what they've done in Europe, and that's run, like, a bunch of shows there. I see, I see. Um, I guess so, yeah. I mean, obviously Bellator... Probably w- would have more to do with welterweights. I mean, they have uh, Ed Roof. They got. They just did their welterweight tournament, um, which uh, Roy McDonald won. Uh, they got uh, Kichi uh, Kunimoto. Um, just lost to Ed Roof. Hmm. I mean, quite honestly, if you know, I hate to say this, but if he wants a. a if Ryzen, if the next, if there's no welterweight show on the next on the New Year's Eve show for Ryzen, or for the and for the next you know two or three shows, you know maybe you should do what Kunimoto did and just like quit to go to Bellator just because there'll be more, more opportunities for opponents there rather than you know, fighting guys that are lightweights coming up to uh, welterweight like uh, Kunimoto had to. Um, oh, forgot to mention as well. Um, before, right after the uh, the previous fight ended, uh, Tenshin Asakawa did come out and just said he wants to fight in the New Year's Eve show and his left hand was broken and healing up. Um, but uh, regarding uh, this fight, I mean, 
Yeah, I just hope that Ryzen, you know, they'll start paying attention to the welterweight division more seriously. Uh, I really can't say um, who he fights next because, uh, yeah, that's the thing is that the welterweight division is so dry. I can't be like, oh, you know who would be a good point for him? This guy. Um, and uh, you know what? That's probably because of the fact that you see so many prospects in the welterweight division on up either go to the UFC and get discarded or go to Bellator and get misused. I mean, here's, you know, so so this Bellator, so the, is it confirmed it's going to be a Bellator versus Ryzen show with Bellator versus Ryzen people on the Bellator show and on the on the Ryzen show, Christian? Is that at all well, been be clarified? quite honest, all I heard from that presser was the fact that there were going to be like a three bout, there was going to be a three bout series between Bellator and Ryzen fighters, potentially with more, I mean, potentially with more on that card, but it's all going to be done, unfortunately, under the dreaded unified rules of MMA. I gotcha. Well, I mean, you know, if, if Ryzen wants to set him up with somebody from Bellator, I'm trying to think of like who are like some good uh, welterweight people. I think that Ed Roof would probably dismantle uh, Nakamura, in my personal opinion. Um, I don't know, maybe Nakamura versus John Fitch. He's still Bellator, I think, right? Yeah, he's still with Bellator. Um, I'm not. I'm not a. I know that John Fitch is hated by a lot of people. I don't think he's. As bad um, as a lot of people make him out to be, or he's as as, as as he's not the most exciting fighter, but you know what you're getting with John Fitch. So maybe that's why I have. Um, is I'm, it because of the fact that John Fitch is a points fighter? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of other fighters that that um that would be um eligible. Let's see, um. I don't know. What do you think about MVP versus um, Nakamura? Oh no, that that's just putting somebody in the slaughterhouse. You would much rather have Paul Simtex Daily versus, you know, Keita Kaitar Nakamura. Hey, I like Daily. I do like Daily. Um, um, I think yeah. If if you look at the Belter roster, definitely bit some interesting opponents as well. Um, for for uh, Nakamura. As for Ryzen, you know, again, it's 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 totally. If Ryzen knows people, the, uh, we don't know them at all. So that's all I can say about that. Now the question I have for you is, uh, Christian, uh, Marcos Yoshio, de Souza, the older brother of Roberto de Souza. What do you do with with older bro de Souza now? Do you give him? Do you give him another fight? Uh, do the same thing, you know. Put, send him up with Walter Wade in Bellator. What would you do with uh, Marcos de Souza? I think you would probably have to set him up with a Bellator welterweight. But then again, you would also have to, you know, keep both the Souza brothers under the Bellator. I mean, under the rising fold because. If they end up going elsewhere, like if they go to the UFC, for instance, they're not going to be used as often as they want to be used. Uh, now, here's the thing. Um, 
apparently Roberto De Souza was saying that his brother, Marcos, was a better MMA fighter than him. And after seeing Roberto fight, uh, even in, in his loss, which we'll talk about later, and Marcos fighting in the show today, I don't know who you put up Marcos against and Marcos wins. I think Ed Roof knocks out Marcos. I think certainly Semtex knocks him out if it doesn't go to the ground. I think MVP knocks out Marcos. Kuchikinamoto probably can knock out Marcos. Um, I have no idea what what opponent you would say. Because, of course, if you mentioned... I mean, if you heard in the podcast, the preview podcast, all you heard John Hyun Ko say about Marcos was the fact that he was fighting the Bucks. Well, yeah, that's true. Um, also, another thing in this fight as well that happened. Did you see he tried for a spinning kick but then fell? But I don't know if he was like, if that was intentional, if the bait Nakamura to go into the ground, or if he did that because he's not too good as a fighter. Did you see that at all? Do you remember that? I think I have. Um, you know, that's, you know, I mean, I mean, you know, like you said, like, you know, maybe give him another fight. I have no idea. Again, welterweight is such a barren division in Rise in itself. You know, I can say, yeah, give him another fight, but then who do you put him up against? I mean, you know, Kitooka went up, went up to welterweight to fight Kunimoto. Would you put... Would you put Kitooka against the other DeSouza brother in a fight? <laughs> unless you want to see somebody get walking. I mean, unless you want to see somebody get a walking case of CTE, you would not, I mean, not put Satoru Kitooka up against Marcos Yoshio DeSouza for an easy win. Uh, but uh, a great finish by Nakamura. One of the few... Japanese guys that come directly from UFC and not fail. So good on him for that. That he's not a Kawajiri or Hirota or Mizugaki. Um, but uh, hopefully we'll see him again in Ryzen. Hopefully Ryzen start, starts building a, a, a competent welterweight division uh, for the future. Any uh, f- uh, other thoughts, Christian? Mm, nah, aside from the fact that I still did not know that Kizuke Tall Nakamura was married to Shizuka Sugiyama, and I realized that Shizuka liked or favored a few of my tweets about him, more notably, you know, about sowing the seeds for the welterweight division, and liked my post about his theme song. Um, question: How did he get the the nickname Kitaro? Probably because of the fact that his first name is actually Keitaro, K-E-I-T-A-R-O. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, never mind then. Mm-hmm. Shall we go on to the next match? And the beginning of the lightweight Grand Prix? Yeah, but one more thing about that, you know, Kita Keitaro, Nakamura, Shizuka, Sugiyama dynamic. I hope that if Ryzen does manage to get... Kitaro on for another fight that Chizuka gets on the card with them. I mean, with him, so that they can be like the first husband and wife to fight on the same fight card. Isn't it funny how Ryzen has all these things like the first mother and son to be on the on a card, uh, brothers to be on a card. Now maybe husband and wife. 
It seems like Ryzen loves booking familial fights on the same card. I think it's interesting. Yeah, I find that shit crazy, but hey, it's crazy enough to work if they both can win. Or in the case of the DeSouza brothers and, I mean, in the case of the DeSouza brothers and the Kawabe brothers, lose. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. And we will talk about Hobart Satoshi DeSosa a little later, but let's go ahead and talk about the lightweight Grand Prix. And the first quarterfinal of this belt car was Tofik Musayev knocking out Damian Beatdown Brown via TKO punches, 4 minutes, 13 seconds of round number one. Musayev, who came out to, I mean, I finally found out his entrance music and I realized it was like, it was like some terrorist shit. It was like some ISIL type of shit. But still, Musayev improves to 16 and 3 overall with 13 knockouts, by the way. Brown, who disputed later on, saying that he got stopped a little too early dropped to 1913. Now, when it came down to this particular fight, of course, I mean, aside from Musayev's terrorist sound and theme compared to the strands of Guy Sebastian for Damian Brown, but aside from all that, what were your overall thoughts about Tofik Musayev going into this fight, and do you think that Damian Brown possibly, possibly get another chance in the Rising Ring, even though he lost? Um, this, you know, I think Tofik looked. I think Tofik looked absolutely amazing in this fight. Maybe even better than his debut against uh, Tyson Osawa. The Crookshank fight, you know, we saw a much different uh, Tofik, a Tofik that I didn't think was gonna be go far in this tournament but my god he looks so fucking good in this tournament uh in this match i should say he was like two steps ahead of brown those kicks he was giving to brown's body uh i think jay kuhn said it on twitter that uh that they sounded like a horse kicking some like a, a horse kicking somebody they were brutal and and brown's chest rib area was all bruised up Whenever Brown would do something, Kofik would immediately counter and just like outstrike him. It was an amazing. I I we picked you and I picked Brown to win this. I thought that and we both felt stupid for doing it. It's not even. I don't even feel stupid. It was based on how I feel. Feel Brown was going to go into this fight and Tofik. I guess lack of of ring time maybe, but. Uh, it was just, it was simply like an amazing, like, accomplish, uh, amazing how, what he did, um, during this fight. And so what happened was that, uh, he got a head kick on Brown, Brown got rocked by it, Topik swarmed him, uh, into the corner, and then started doing ground pound, and then the referee got the match. Damian Brown said that he, I didn't see it during the video, during the fight, but apparently he said that he, he contested the stop and said it was they thought it was true that he was that he was grabbing Tofik's leg and trying going to try and wrestle him. Um, I watched the fight back, and I do not think at all it was an early stoppage. I think it was a pretty good stoppage. Uh, when I think of a, a bad stop, 
this isn't a case of when um, I'm trying to think of like remember what was it the um, are what? you thinking about a memory of Steve Mazzagatti or Mario Yamasaki I'm thinking of the, the Sakuraba UFC match where he went for a takedown and then oh. the, and, uh, oh, do you mean the first fight he had with Marcos Conan Silveri? Yeah, and uh, the referee ruled it as a knockdown or, or, or as a knockout and ended the fight. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember. But if that wouldn't have happened, considering the fact that it was a one-night tournament, we wouldn't have seen Sakuraba come back and defeat Conan later in the evening. Here's the thing as well. When, and we're going to talk about this... Uh, um, Two and two more fights because it, it was much more clear in, in the two other fights where were wrestling somebody was trying to wrestle and they still got uh, finished while wrestling. You have to make a movement that is very clear that you are wrestling. Grabbing, I do not consider grabbing somebody's leg an adequate visual uh, distinction that you are still in the fight. It is, you need to, you need to show that you, that, that if you grab on the... You need to show that you're still active. Yes, exactly. Active, active and defending yourself. If you're just active, but if you're, if you're not active and defending yourself, there's something going on wrong, and the fight needs to be ended. If you are not, if if you are going for a takedown and you're like trying to push up against the guy, you're trying to bring him down. I'm, that's exactly that. You're you're active in defending yourself. If you're not doing that, if you're just saying, if you're just holding on to somebody's leg, and I think John Hugh Coast, I think he came up with a great name for it because it makes total sense. Called Kidoking it. Keto oaking it. That does not count as proper as you being active in the fight and defending yourself. I don't know. I it, it's very hard. It, I don't think that this fight was ended at all early or improperly. Um, I think it, the ending was just that the 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 ref stopping the fight in the first round. Um. Again, that's an, another another common theme as well is that mo that all is that these fights in the lightweight grand prix all ended in the first round, um, and yeah, so this was not an early stoppage in my opinion. What do you think, Christian? Do you agree with what Damian Brown said? Well, you know, I agree with him, but you have to think about it. He had all that time in the world to defend himself instead of you know trying not to Kitaoka himself. But yeah. in a way, I mean, it was his own fault that he lost. But you know, if I mean, if given the chance, I think that you know, I was disappointed that the fight didn't last longer. Well, it was it was in four, it was four minutes that the fight, you know, yeah, you know. I'm I'm disappointed as well because I he did say that 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 during the second round that they that they were gonna that he was gonna implement his plan, uh, to defeat Tofik. I think it sounded like that they were hoping that Tofik would get tired by the second round, um maybe 
and then they would capitalize on, on his uh, on him being exhausted, um, which is entirely possible. But it since it didn't last that, we didn't get to see that. Um, in you know, are we going giving him another fight? Um, you know, I I have, I have no problem. You know, he's been a, a, a he's been he he's been very sad that he's happy that he's that he's been in Ryzen. He's been very vocal about wanting to be in this tournament. You know, it's it sucks that he unfortunately got eliminated, because um, he was at first worried that he wasn't going to be in it. Um, but I mean, definitely you should get a fight. Uh, I would say you know if you want to give him another fight in Ryzen, I don't know about New Year's Eve. I mean, unless you want to give him the an alternate bout. With the loser of the next match of the um, well, I just say one of the losers of the light of the, of the other um, rounds of the other uh, matches of the lightweight tournament. I guess that's you can do that. Um, but uh, but like, well, uh, who would you would you put him up against? Any who would you put him up against, Christian, um, for New Year's or for a future Ryzen show? I'll say. Or for, or for both, well, for both. To be quite honest, I would put him up against, and we're going to talk about him a little later, I would put him up against Roberto Toshi de Sosa. Interesting, interesting, interesting. As, as an alternate bout, you think? Yeah. I think that would be a very interesting matchup. I definitely would like to see that matchup. Um, you might be wondering why... I, I will. There's a reason why I'm not gonna say uh, the uh, why I'm not gonna say Kawajiri or um, Uesako. We'll get into those specifics in a second. Um, but I think that probably, I think that probably De Souza. I think that the, that I think that Brown will probably definitely be in, ready for competition by December. I'm gonna guess that probably De Souza as well. I don't think that Kawajiri should be anywhere near this tournament. Uh, anymore, we'll talk about that next, and um, as well, I think that probably Yui Sako is going to probably be out for quite a while, and we'll explain about that as well, but, you know, what do you think of Tofik as well during this match? What were your thoughts on him? Oh, he's a monster. I mean, what'd you expect? He's a menace. Apparently, um, the, the rise in nickname for him is the Reaper of Caucus, and Damian Browns was Australia's Human Dynamo. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> um, I mean, some of these fighters obviously have nicknames for themselves for a reason. Why would Ryzen just fuck that up? <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, you know, and this was a great theme throughout the uh, night was that these matches in, these, in this lightweight tournament were just being finished in the first round, and they were getting quicker and quicker. Um... And 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 send just like the most brutal ways as well. Um, you want to continue on with the next match, and then when we get up all the matches, we'll talk about the uh, the semifinals and all that stuff. Um. Yes. And of course, when it came down to the next fight, this was the final fight before a brief intermission, and of course, we'll talk about that a little later on. But this was the fight that really had very little interest as far as prospects. But still, Luis Killer Gustavo, the Andre Silva trainee, knocked out Hiroto Uesako 
via TKO, Dr. Stoppage, and Shortcut, 3 minutes 54 seconds in round number one. With the win, Gustavo now has 10 wins, all finishes, 5 knockouts, 5 submissions. Uesako sees his record drop. Well, actually, Luis Gustavo sees his record improve to 10 and 1, with all 10 of his wins coming by way of finish, 5 knockouts, 5 submissions. Uesako sees his record route to 18 and 8. In his post fight speech, Gustavo thanked his family and friends for their support, as well as his trainer, Andre Dida, who, of course, we remember was supposed to come back into fighting last year but didn't get the opportunity because of, you know, Mayweather. And he also thanked everybody that was watching and tuning into the event from Brazil or in Brazil, which, come to think of it, did you see any Portuguese comments in the fight chat? Oh, I, I don't pay attention to the uh, fight TV chat. If there was, I don't know, did you see anything notable, Christian? No, I didn't. Besides, I was trying to watch it on an unknown stream that I won't say here. Mm. But, yeah... But still, Gustavo was very happy to be in Japan, and nobody understands why he loves Japan so much. He may not be a full Japanese fighter, but he wants the Japanese fans to continue to support him. So I have to ask, when it came to this fight, do you think that Gustavo lived up, lived up to the nickname of Killer, and what's next for the strongest lightweight in Japan? Well, let's talk about that first about Hiroto Uesako because we talked about, oh, I gave a little bit of, oh, talked a little bit about it before. Uh, Uesako got, got a nasty cut open uh, with a right hand that uh, Uesako uh, got, and he was just bleeding, just like, it was gross, like, gross cut. Um, and, um, after after the match, Yuisaka was crying because obviously he was very upset that this is how this is how he gets eliminated. Understandable. Um, apparently, also, and uh, the VTR for um, Yuisaka said that he just barely slipped into the last slot of the tournament, and apparently, on commentary, they were they met, Joe Ferraro and Frank Trigg mentioned that apparently. A lot of fighters did not think he was worthy of being in the tournament. Hmm. And I'm trying to think. No but here's the thing. He had a qualifying match. He earned it. He won it. I don't understand what the fucking beef is. Am I wrong? Maybe because of the fact that he hadn't earned too much of his scars in runs. I mean... I mean, here's the thing. If you want to be technical, Luis Gustavo's the one they should be mad at. He didn't... He, he actually... Lost his last match, and he gets he got uh he basically got. I'll be honest, I think he got put in here because Mikaru said no. I mean, that's honestly what happened. That I that's you know, that's my personal opinion is that you know, Luis Gustavo didn't have a qualifying match, so if you want to be mad at anybody, be mad at him because he didn't technically earn it, he got asked to be in it, right? Right, right, but I don't think I, I think it's kind of like oh, we. Don't don't yell at this crazy uh, Brazilian guy whose nickname is Killer. Go after the guy who's the strongest lightweight. Anyway, besides that, um, Luis absolutely lived up to his name Killer. This is the this is the Luis Gustavo that we saw during the Yachi fight when he made his debut on that short nose fight. Um, mm -hmm. 
We didn't see that much of that until like the very last round of the, of the Mikuru fight, which he lost, his only loss to date. He's finished all of his fights, and none of them have gone to the third round. You know, I gotta say this. If Ryzen doesn't have this guy locked down for like a, a, con, a, a some sort of yearly contract or, uh, or like fight contract, per fight contract, they better lock him down because... I think that this guy is going to be called by by the UFC as soon as this tournament's over. How could you not, after seeing this fight and also seeing his record and also his connection to Wanderlei, this guy he's definitely going to be some he he's going to be UFC bound at some point if if Uriah does not clamp, clamp down on him. I think. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, he looked amazing. He looked incredible in this fight. You know, I, I wrote a, a big a big preview of all the lightweight bouts for MMASoccer.com. One thing I said is if the way that, that, that Gustavo was going to win this match, was gonna, he was going to have to swarm Yui Sako, basically give him no breathing room, and he did exactly that. And uh, he won. He, 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 he ooh. Yui Sako, apparently also as well, he, apparently it was just a cut. It was originally thought to be a broken orbital bone. Luckily it wasn't. So... He will be back at some point. I don't think he'll be back in December, though. He's gonna take a. It's gonna take a while for for that to cut to fully heal up. Um. But um. Yeah, you know, Luis Gustavo looked great. You know, we still haven't really seen him go to the ground that much. So, but we only see him on the stand up. But I think that Luis Gustavo, you know. You know, he's such an exciting guy to watch. What do you think, Christian? Hey, I think, I mean, I wouldn't disagree with you. He is pretty exciting. And as far as, you know, locking him down to a yearly contract, I think that if he goes to the finals, he's secure. Um, what do you think? Oh, so when Yuichako is all cleared to return, I'm assuming it's not going to be by, by New Year's Eve, so I'm not going to say for New Year's Eve. But when he's all cleared up, would you give him another fight in Ryzen? Then so so against who? I think you would have to give him another fight in Ryzen. But I think it would probably be against shit. I don't know. Maybe Hatsuki Yoki if he's still active. Is he featherweight or is he lightweight? I think he's a featherweight, but he can bulk up to lightweight. Okay. Um. Trying to think. Um. What about him versus uh, Miz- uh not Mizugaki, Hirota? Oh. You mean. Mizuto, if he, that is, if he's not retired, I wouldn't mind seeing him in a fight against Mizuto Pook, Miss Hirota. I've learned to, 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 I've learned that retirements in MMA are like wrestling retirements. Nobody ever really retires until they die. <laughs> right, of course. Um, what about, let's see, I'm trying to think of a, of a match that would be good. Well, let's say Damian Brown is not booked for the New Year's Eve show. Do you think Brown versus Yui Sako could be a, a match that could be made? Mm, that would be a fun fight. I wouldn't mind seeing that. Okay. 
Um, but we'll have to wait until Yuisako obviously gets healed up. That eye injury is really disgusting. He didn't even give a post-fight interview uh, in the Ryzen uh, backstage um, interviews. So that's how bad it was. Because he was basically getting worked on. Exactly, yeah. Um, but uh, anything else you want to say about this fight, Christian, before we go on to the next lightweight bout? No, I don't got nothing to say on that. I mean, to be quite honest, I just hope that when it comes to Luis Gustavo, this tournament is going to be a breakout point for him. Oh, absolutely. This definitely will be. And, you know, like I said, if, if Ryzen doesn't clamp him down, uh, clamp him down as a fighter, um, if they haven't already, he's going to be in UFC by next year, I predict. I mean, you know, also, here's the other thing as well. He's the youngest guy in this tournament. He's uh, 23, I believe. He, had, he was 20, he's 23. Prime age for a, Uf, for a UFC run, I guess you could say. So, yeah. Um, Luis Gustavo, we got so far Tofik Musayev and Luis Killer Gustavo with advanced. Let's go, mm-hmm. let's go on to the third match. Ah, uh, yes, and this third match, it's pretty crazy. I mean, you knew that Patricky Pitbull Fury wasn't going to come in to lose, but you have to wonder about Coward here. Patricky Pitbull Fury upped his record to 22 and 8. Knocking out Tatsuya Crusher Kawajiri, 37 and 14, with a jumping knee and punches TKO, one minute and 10 seconds into round number one. Trinky improves his record to 22 and 8, Kawajiri 37 and 14. In his post fight speech, Patriki said in clear English, which makes you wonder why he didn't speak this way to us. But he's, he wanted to thank the fans for the opportunity to fight in Japan. He's been fighting in Japan. No, he's been watching fights from Japan since Pride FC was still around. And he was just happy to get the opportunity to fight in the land of the rising sun. But you have to think, though. While Patriki Pitbull Fury obviously is a star, he's moving on in this tournament. You would have to think that this may be Tatsuya Kawajiri's last fight. And I have to ask you this. First of all, do you think that this is Kawajiri's last go-round? And second, well, obviously we know. Obviously we know if Patriki Pitbull Fury wins this tournament, he's going to probably go on to Bellator and face off against... Um, who's the lightweight champion now? Oh, wait, actually, no. It's Patricio Pitbull Fury, his brother. But, obviously, if Patricio wins this tournament, Patricio's gonna fight, I mean, gonna drop the belt. And he's probably, I mean, Patricio's probably gonna fight for the vacant belt. Probably against Michael Chandler one more time. But... If Patricky wins this tournament, do you think that going back to Bellator and fighting for a vacant belt would be worth it? Um, well, here's the thing about him speaking English. My guess is he didn't speak a lot of English. He just he, he just said like a sentence or two or something. I think he's I know that he does speak English, but I think I, again he's one of those people who's who doesn't feel comfortable speaking English, maybe in interviews or in regular conversation. So that's why he uses a translator. Which is understandable. Um, 
I mean, you know, you you can still even have somebody like GSP who who speaks English, and then you know, when he says, "Oh, I'm not impressed with your performance," and suddenly people just like take it and, and blow it up into something. You know, you don't want you know, I don't know. That's something that he's yeah, but that's the thing though. GSP speaks fluent English and French. Yeah, but again, you know, even if, you know, if if your first language is something else and it's not English. You're, it's always in the back of your head that you're just worried that you're going to fuck up. So I'm not surprised that a lot of them would rather speak their native tongue and use a translator who maybe is better than that. A better speaking English. Um, do you know if there were some people who thought that Cow G was actually going to win this? And not, 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 not ironically? There are people who actually thought that... honest, aside from the fans who wanted to see how would Jerry get one last go? I was surprised that there were still fans who... So, I, I, I don't, we didn't... So, basically, this card... So, they they matched... Literally, this was the worst matchup that Cow Jerry could have gotten. Uh-huh. I think that Damian Brown, he wouldn't have not been knocked out by Damian Brown. That could have been more of a grappling match. Johnny uh-huh. Case, you know, I don't know. Probably would have still been knocked out, but not as brutally... Luis Gustavo, he could have maybe survived against, you know, and tried to use his uh, ring ring experience to uh, to beat him. Uh, Yui Sako made the same thing. Literally, Pitbull was the worst match that that that, that Kawajiri could have gotten, and he got it. Um, and also, we should also add that he did Kitawoka in this match as well. When after he got that jumping knee, uh, and then went down, he tried to gra- grab uh, Pitbull's leg, but then Pitbull just smashed him, smashed him until the referee stopped the match. Um, it was very sad also because his daughter was in the audience, and I don't know if you saw the uh, Rise of Confessions video, but apparently one of the things his daughter asked him was, Daddy, why aren't you strong anymore? Or something like that. Um, very, very sad. I guess she knows the reason why now. Um, whether this is Cow Jury's last match... I, here's the, and I know we discussed it with, with, with uh, when, when John, oh, John Kuhn uh, was on the, um, was on the show, and I think when I, to me, a fighter should re- retire when it's no longer fun to see them fight, where I am legitimately worried about their health, because then it's no longer, because it becomes no longer something I'm interested in seeing from an entertainment standpoint. It becomes a I hope they don't die in a ring or cage uh, thing. And I think that Cow Jew's at their level. He's clearly, you know, his record in Ryzen is now 2-4. and four. He has been, he got choked out and uh, actually outstruck by Crone Gracie in, the first, in his first match in Ryzen. Knocked out by Gabriel Oliveira with that knee, again a knee, in uh, the Bantamweight tournament. Uh, Kitawoka beat him by split decision in that Yarnoka card and now this. This match. So, I mean, I don't know, like, what else do you, do, like, what, what, what do you say, Christian? Do you put him, like, do you have an official retirement match? Or if you're Sakaki Bara, you just say, listen, this was your last match. Thank you for everything you've done for Pride, Dream, yada, yada, yada. But we think you should hang it up. What do you do, Christian? To be quite honest, I don't know. As long as you don't, as long as you don't fuck up his career like 
Sakuraba versus Aoki from the first Rising card, then that would be, I mean, there are plenty of ways you can say farewell to him. I mean, even have that retirement match, but as long as you don't do what happened with the Aoki versus Sakuraba fight, you know, that would be fun to see him retire. But I do think, ah, sorry, I do think that it's time for Kawajiri to, you know, put the gloves in the middle of the ring and call it in. Yeah, exactly. It's no longer fun to see him fight. He's up there with Chuck Liddell. He's now up there with Kitawoka at that Johnny Case match. Um, up there with Rashad Evans. People who I don't want to see. Um, if you think about it, Rashad Evans is still wanting to get one last go. Oh, too bad. I don't think you should fight. You know, we got. You know, it was just announced that King Mo wants to have want is having one more match in Bellator this year. Um, obviously he doesn't want to go out on a loss, but he looks so bad in, in all of his recent matches, four or five matches, and the rising match against Jiri looks... You know, it's because of that hip surgery that he had and the, you know, little infection that he had in oh, the yeah. strike force stage, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, but also, you know, he just, he's looks slow, he's, his, his reaction time has been, has been not the same as it used to be, he's definitely not as strong as it used to be. Um, yeah, I think the Kawajiri is up there. I mean, what do you, like, would you do, this may sound ridiculous, would you do, like, some sort of, like, some big-time retirement match, retirement match against him and Gomi, maybe, at, at some point? Probably so. I mean, have they fought against each other in Pride? I thought that they, they fought each other in Pride at some point, but maybe, I think they must have. Was it Cal- huh. I believe it was Kawajiri and Gomi who fought, who fought before, yeah. Um, I don't know, but like, yeah, it's no longer fun to see him fight. On the positive, let's talk about Pitbull. Pitbull looked amazing. This is a Pitbull that we all love in Bellator. Just this aggressive animal. And, uh, yeah, he, uh, he, looked, he looked awesome in this match. Um, that he did, that he did. But do you think that if he wins this tournament, that fighting for a vacant Bellator feather, that fighting for a vacant Bellator lightweight belt, which he did say to us via Mateo Sakinfo, that you know when he goes back to Bellator and when he wins this tournament, Patricio will vacate the lightweight belt. Do you think that him, you know, potentially getting another fight with Michael Chandler or a fight with Brett Primus? For the vacant Bellator lightweight title would be worth it after, you know, winning this tournament. If oh. he does win this tournament, oh, it would be great for him to have, you know, two belts. You know, be be like Kyoji Horiguchi, but on the other side, be a Bellator fighter who has two uh, two uh, promotional belts. Um, here's the thing, though. I think that Michael Chandler that that okay, out of a hundred fights, I think that Michael Chandler wins ninety nine of them uh, against uh, Patricky. Um, Brent Primus, I'm not so sure about. Um, that's a tough one. I think I think Petrie could beat uh, uh, Primus. Um, but I think Michael Chandler. I don't. I, I think 
think he's just one of those fighters that he's never going to be able to beat. Um, that's my personal opinion. Yeah, is that Michael Chandler is not is not is that that won't happen? Are you sure that it'd be against uh, Chandler and Primus? Uh, do you think it'd be maybe against Chandler and um? I'm trying to think of who else in lightweight. Um, as long as it's not Benson Smooth Henderson. Didn't he? Did he need? He won his last match. I could definitely see him trying to do put Benson in the uh, title in the title contention. Well, it's funny because because Patricky did beat him, and I think Mike did Chandler beat Benson. I think I think they both beat him. I believe. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, never mind. Then no, then Benson should not be in it. I take that back. Absolutely take that back. Um. Yeah, if you want to do Patricky and uh, Chandler third round, three three times a charm. Why the fuck not? Go for it. I still think that Michael Chandler won that match. Um, but anything else you want to say about this fight? Oh, I did hear something interesting to say about this fight. This was the shortest finish out of all the lightweight tournament matches at 1 minute and 10 seconds. Um, right. Second second uh, shortest finish will be the next one that we talk about. Unless there's any, uh, any last thoughts about this fight, Christian? Not really. Aside from the fact that it was Patricky Pitbull Fury wins this tournament and then goes back to Rise. I mean, then goes back to Bellator and win the lightweight title after so many failed attempts. Yeah, I think that he will probably be the best lightweight in those two promotions' histories. Um, also, you did mention that there was a, an intermission before, um, right before, before this match. It was thirty-minute intermission. Uh, we will talk about more intermissions after this match because I think that this was the most egregious inter- intermission i will say um uh-huh, exactly but before all that let's go ahead and talk about this last lightweight grand prix quarterfinal and the lightweight grand prix semifinal draw and of course johnny hollywood johnny case he knocked out Roberto satoshi de sosa in one minute 15 seconds of round number one via a punch to the eye and a kick to the back of the head. Case improves his record to 27-6. Alberto Satoshi de Sosa gets his first professional loss. <clears throat> Opposite nine victories. With that, Case completes the four-man lightweight tournament. And I didn't really see his post-fight comments, obviously, because of the, you know, issues I was having watching it on the stream I won't talk about. But, still, I guess he's probably pretty excited now to be moving on in this tournament. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and especially, you know, we talked to we talked to him. He said that probably, you know, I think the fight went as, we, you know, you and I both picked uh, Johnny Case. Based that he's just a better MMA fighter, he said the same thing himself, and I think this fight went exactly as how we probably um, uh, how he uh, you know, saw the fight going. We saw that 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 uh, Souza tried to grapple immediately. Uh, Case was having none of it. Um, he tried. It looked like that Souza tried for a triangle, then an omoplata, uh, but Case immediately got up, and then Souza tried for a takedown. Um. Case got an uppercut, and it looks like the uppercut hit uh, the Souza's eye. He went down immediately, and he tapped right before. Actually, he tapped. Uh, he was tapping, 
And then Case gave him a soccer kick right to the head, and then the referee ended the match. Um, <laughs> now, DeSouza says that that it was an eye poke. This is what he said during the post-fight interview in the, uh, in the Rising. Uh, you can see all these, these videos of Rising. They're unfortunately in, uh, in either Japanese or Brazilian, whatever language the fighter's in. Portuguese. Yeah, sorry, poor, sorry. Oh my God, Portuguese. Yeah. So, but apparently he did say that he that he that it was an eye poke. Christian, do you think that this was an eye poke at all? From when, no, it was a straight knockdown. It was. I have no idea why he thinks it was an eye poke. Um, and actually, at, at first I thought it was maybe an eye poke when the fight initially happened when they showed the replay. It was clearly not an eye poke. It was a punch to the eye. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh, funny enough, his brother was out there in his corner, and his face was all fucked up from the uh, Nakamura fight. I'm actually surprised he was not in the <laughs> hospital, but um, yeah, um, I thought that this was gonna be another strange finish in Johnny Case's um rising legacy, where he's one where one fight was stopped by a doctor and the other one the corner threw in the towel. I thought this was gonna be a an eye poke or some some weird wonky finish, um. Well, hey, at least Rising, I mean, at least the Rising PR department can now, they, I mean, can now put another whack-ass nickname towards Johnny Case, aside from the one that he already has, of course. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but Johnny Case, you know, man, you know, he's looked great in all of his Rising matches. I can't say one where he looked terrible. Uh, and right now, he's still my favorite to win. He looks... He's just, this is like, he looks incredible. He absolutely looks so good. Um, I apologize, mm-hmm. what were the questions that you asked, Christian? I mean, to be quite honest, uh, I don't even remember what the fuck I asked. Mm-hmm. No, 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 that's fine, that's fine. But um, I guess, we, uh, what, what do you think about how Johnny Case looked? What do you think about uh, his performance in this fight? I think he's proven to be one of the favorites of this tournament, and I won't be surprised if it's him versus Patricky Pitbull in the Rising Tournament Finals, which, speaking of which, the lightweight semifinal, the lightweight Grand Prix semifinal draw happened after the conclusion of this bout, and it was announced that Johnny Hollywood, Johnny Case, will take on Topic Musayev in semifinal number one in the Battle of the Brazilians. Luis Killer Gustavo versus Patricky Pitbull Fiore will be in semifinal number two. These bouts and the tournament finals, which will probably be the main event of the Horizon 20 card, will happen on New Year's Eve morning, December 31st, from the Saitama Super Arena in Saitama City, Saitama Prefecture, Japan. Now, what are your thoughts about the semi? What are your thoughts about the semifinal draw? First of all. And second of all, what were your thoughts about these fights when it was announced that they were happening? Um, well, you know, initially we thought that they were going to do, like, I guess we were following, I guess, brackets. We didn't think it was going to do, I don't, I don't think we figured it was going to be a random drawing. We figured that they were following some sort of bracket. Um, mm-hmm. I think, I think we, you know, I kind of would be interested to see how Luis Gustavo and Tofik measure up against each other, saying that they're both young fighters and their styles are so stylistically, like, divergent. But mm-hmm. I'm not ha- unhappy with either of these um, 
of either of for either of these two semifinal matches. I think that they're very interesting matches, and we'll definitely go into um um. It, it, we'll definitely go into, go into what? Oh, uh, we'll more detail as you know when we preview the card because who knows? You know, injury happens. You know, oh, that's the other thing as well. So these four fighters, two of them might be fighting twice on the same day. So that'll be a very interesting, you know, um, aspect to the fights um, when when they happen. Um, so I'm I'm just trying to think that like <clears throat> excuse me like. Yeah, I don't think that any of the fights are bad at all. You know, it's not like ah oh, shit. Because you remember Bellator, they just had the, for their featherweight tournament. They just announced they had a weird thing where like if you got like the quickest finish, you could choose when you wanted to fight or something, or like where you wanted to fight. There were, I, I don't even remember the exact rules, but it was a like a little bit. Basically, it favored the fighters who had the fastest finishes. It's kind of like what Invicta does with their Phoenix series, whereas. You have two fastest women who got the fastest finishes of the night vibe for, you know, who they want to pick. And obviously the fighter with the first fastest finish gets to pick her opponent first and the second one gets picked at default. And if nobody gets the fast, if nobody gets any finishes in that one round, the semifinals are done at random. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not unhappy with any of these, uh, with these four matchups. What do you think, Christian? What are your thoughts on these two semifinal matchups? Hey, I think they're fun, even though, to be quite honest, I really do think that it would have been best to see Case versus Pitbull because whoever would have won that fight would definitely be winning the tournament. Mm, that's interesting. But that now... You got Luis Gustavo versus Patricky Pitbull, two Brazilians going at it. Who knows what the hell's going to happen there? All you know is that it's not going to make it out of the first round. And if it does, it's going to be tiresome. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I... as far as Case versus Musayev goes, I don't know if Johnny Case is ready to throw smoke with Tofik Musayev. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, we'll, you know, we'll definitely be talking to him. We'll definitely, you know, get his thoughts on on Tofik, uh, on the uh, on this fight. It'll it'll be, I you know, unless something happens, I'm happy with what the cards with what the prospective card looks like now. Um, mm-hmm. Before we go into the next fight, though, we gotta talk about what happened next, and I think. Oh God! Uh, Don't tell me. It starts with a lot of wasted time. It, yes. Intermission. So this was... Now, here's the thing. This intermission was initially advertised previously. Uh, if you look at the fight card poster, it said right after the lightweight Grand Prix drawing, there's going to be an intermission. So keep in mind, though, we already had an intermission uh, before. That was three minutes. So... We get an intermission now. And so the intermission now says the commentary, Frank Trigg, Joe Farrell said it's going to be an hour and a half. Oh, God. So right now we have a total of two hour intermissions. You know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to, 
I don't want to talk about the 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 other intermission when it comes up, but the other intermission came up before the um, after the Reina, uh, right before the co-main event, I believe it was. So um, that was another thirty-minute intermission, something like that. Basically, in the amount of time, and I know you, and I know you're familiar with this. In the amount of time that it took for you to watch the damn Joker movie, that was the amount of time. The intermissions were compiled all together. It was nearly three hours of intermissions. Joker movie was short. Joker movies, I think, was two and a half hours long. Uh, actually, no, maybe two, no, two hours long because we got out at around 10 a.m. Uh, 10 a.m., 12 a.m., excuse me. So, mm. yes, there was almost three hours of intermission. And so, we're gonna say right now, okay. Right now, the total amount of to uh, of fight time on this show is forty four minutes. Now, here's the thing: I know you're not gonna have a forty four minute show, or uh, a forty four minute MMA show, or a one hour MMA show, even two hours if it's a rising card. Maybe even but not. If you were to, I mean, let's just say, if you're an American television producer looking to put together a highlight show. That entire car would be enough for a two-hour show. Yes. Oh, exactly, exactly. Well, of course, if you get rid of the entrances. Well, actually, no. If you keep the entrances but condense them just a smidge. And, uh... What happened... The show was moving so well. And... Just these intermissions. So, I'm just trying to think of like... It's just... It kills... This was, without a doubt, I think the worst times that the... The worst show that the intermissions were paired off with. Because this show was running so smooth... Was so if every all the fights were were ending almost all the fights were ending in the first round, and now th that they saddled us, what eventually turned out to be, um, three hours of intermissions. Mm -hmm. I imagine like I think we had I th somebody on on the Ryzen Discord said that they used to have people come over for the Ryzen fight uh, shows. I guess they're in a time zone where they could watch it live. But then the intermissions started killing that. Because what do you tell people who come to your show? Oh, hey, you know, you got to wait one and a half hours for the fights to start again. Like, imagine, like, I wouldn't... Well, you're going to have a lot of sleepy people. And I was trying to, you know, fight that sleep off just to watch this show. Uh-huh, uh-huh. What do you, like, this is absolutely... It's bonkers to me that Ryzen can book cards so well but not have the time management to realize to 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 manage the times so that it syncs up with the Fuji time. So that's the whole reason why that these intermissions happen is because they have to sync up when the show goes live on Fuji TV uh with 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 what's going on in the arena. Mm -hmm. And so that's why the shows that are Tape delayed, just have one intermission. So there's really no like they don't really there's really no like you don't have to worry about like a live intermission or anything like that. Um, 
I'm trying to. But if you think about it, mm -hmm. when Access TV show Dream and Sengoku, they never had this problem. When FSN shown Pride highlights, they never had that problem. Oh, exactly, exactly. Um, I had a great a great comment from Mark Pickering, who is with the he's the head. Head media, uh, head director of the social media for judo at uh, the International Judo Federation on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And he said he had no problems with the fights. Oh, by the way, you can follow him at, at underscore Mark Pickering. No problems with the fights. It's just such a chore to watch. The, the 13 fights lasted a total of 44 minutes, but the show ran eight hours. It's terrible for the fans, whether you're in the stadium, watching on Fight TV, or on Fuji Judo underscore online where they showed one live fight. Imagine so think about that. This is an eight hour show. And the show but the total amount of fight time was forty four minutes. That is insane. That is bad. That needs to be taken care of. This is not this is you're gonna kill here's the thing as well. So and I'll probably you're not only going to kill... The point of live sports is that you can watch it live. People watch the NFL live. People are watching the the, uh, the the football, the NFL games going on right now live. You watch wrestling live. You watch all of these sports live because that's what matters is that it's a live experience of watching these 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 these, uh, these these sports live. That's what makes it different than scripted television because they're live. Anything can happen, presumably. And... You're going to kill your international audience if you make them, for every show, sitting through hours and hours of intermission because it's just not, you're not, we're just not, it's not something that we should have to do. And here's the thing as well, I'm going to put as well, it's not, the, inter, the clips that they show during intermissions are just of the same fights from over and over with the Ryzen theme just playing in the background. And do you know how many times I saw we they showed Floyd Mayweather knocking out tension and doing his little stupid victory dance? It had to be more than fifty times that they showed it, to a point where I I'm pretty sure that's the last time I'm going to see my deathbed. Not the white light, but just that playing. It's like what you cannot tell people. You cannot tell reasonable people you have to sit through three hours of intermissions to watch our show. And here's the thing as well. Domestic audience. Are you going to want to go to an MMA show that where presumably every show can be eight hours long? No, I would not want to do that, no matter how good it is. Would you, Christian? Would you go... If Ryzen was running shows regularly in the United States, and, but you were hearing that they were eight hours long, because of intermissions. Would you go? Hell fucking no. Especially if they're... I mean, let's just say... And, of course, this kind of shows my family's religion. It would probably put a black church service that goes up to, like, three hours long to shame. <laughs> and here's the thing. I mean, it would put, like, a religious ceremony to shame, to be honest, if you were to you know, have an event in the U.S. go on for more than 
three hours because people got to be at work the next day. People got to take their kids to school if it's shown on a weeknight. People got to be... People gotta be places, and I'm pretty sure the last thing if Verizon were to book an event in the States would be to be at an eight-hour Verizon show. I am, it's just, this was, this is so far my favorite Verizon show this year, Verizon 19. And, mm-hmm. and I almost, it's, I have to say with, with a caveat, with an asterisk, because the, the intermissions almost killed me. If I wasn't covering this show live for us and for MMACircle.com, I would have turned uh-huh. this show off at the second intermission because I would have just said, this, I can't do this. This show finished at 8 a.m. It started at, at 1 a.m. Eastern Time, finished around 8 a.m. That is, that is seven hours of my time and three hours of that time. Had they had not taken intermissions, this show could have been over by four or five. So not only do they artificially extend the time, but but it, it, it it's now it's just it is so patently absurd that Ryzen cannot figure out how to space their show so that there's that the intermissions are either short or not as frequent. And here's the thing: if you want to do the intermissions. Give us something different than the same fights finishes that you're showing over and over. Give us some backstage interviews. Give us, you know, Joe Ferraro and Frank Trigg talking on commentary, you know, about the upcoming fights, you know, more in depth. Give us, you know... Or have them be more interactive with their Q&A instead yeah. of just, you know, not answering questions on Twitter, Frank Trigg. Have to show the Rising Confessions videos. Do something. This is, it is, you are going to kill, you're going to not, people are not going to want to tune in because, uh, to see Ryzen if these intermissions continue at the pace that they do. I guarantee that probably Ryzen lost quite a few fans after these intermissions because they didn't have to have these intermissions. They could have, here's the thing, if they want, if they want to not have this ever happen again. They they either have to have less fights, or they have to, or they start the the show later. And I don't see you know does there need to necessarily be twelve or thirteen fights on the card? No, nine or ten is fine. If if, if you know if you even an eight fight card is fine, which I don't see many. I don't even see many professional wrestling promotions doing eight match card anymore. Exactly. Um. Man, it's just like. It's so, or, or start the shows later. I know that means that we would have to be up later, like 2, 3 a.m. But God, if I know that the show is going to end, at, if the show will end earlier, I'll gladly take that sacrifice for a show ending later. Uh, starting later, I should say. Um, you know what? In a way, maybe, Ry- maybe Ryzen needs to do what Akmat Championship Beirut, now Akmat Championship Absolute, what their slogan used to say, less show, more fighting. Yeah. You know, cut all the bullshit out, cut the middleman out, cut the intermissions out. I mean, actually shorten the intermissions down and, you know, just provide more fights. I mean, they could even go back to the live, they can even go back to their library of, you know, old fights that they have, you know, from the first four years of other promotion, because coming up, 
coming up at the end of the year is going to be their fourth anniversary. And we still haven't seen any, like, old footage of either of the first two shows, because, of course, some of us had to watch via an old shitty Russian stream, or the first show that they had in, in April of 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, heck, you know what? I, you know what? I don't know. Have some dark MMA matches as well. Just give us something that... It just, you know, it's... You know what? Basically, in a way, seeing the fact that there are so many, you know, Pure Wrestle and Joshi Pure Wrestle promotions, you know, bring the Fan Expo indoors and into the Rising Ring. Have those matches take place. Mm -hmm. Give the fans something to pop over. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's so funny because the, the first, the... The 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 one th the one th everybody was praising this card, but the one thing I saw that everybody was hated was the intermissions. Literally nothing else. Literally the intermissions, and I think it's the easiest thing that they can take care of. Well, and you know, here's the thing as well. You know, um, UFC when they got it when I guess when they used to have to go from like Fox or ESPN to a pay per view. Um, well, actually, it was. Pay-per-view to Spike TV, and then from Spike TV to Fox. But whenever they go from terrestrial television to the actual pay-per-view, well, they would replay fights. Usually they would have like some backstage segments or something. They would have something to to at least pad out the, the amount of time it took for the, for, for the uh, things to sync up. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, it's just, ugh. It was brutal. These these intermissions were the most brutal things to try to just work through. Mm -hmm. And I know that Joseph Matos, you know, you know Joseph Matos, you know, love having him on the show. And I know he's going to disagree with us, but unfortunately, I can't play Fire Pro Wrestling World all the time to uh to uh to to, to pass the time. It shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to make your viewers watch wait that long. For your show, because it has to sync up with a Fuji TV airing. It's good. It's Otherwise, if that's the case, you're gonna lose a lot of viewers, not only domestically but most definitely internationally. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you, yeah, do you want to go to a fucking show that's gonna be eight hours long? Fuck no, I don't care how, how good the show is or how, how you know. Here's, I also like to say as well, New Japan Pro Wrestling, the best thing they ever did uh, was get rid of their intermissions. Imagine sitting for a six-hour uh, Wrestle Kingdom Tokyo Dome card, and suddenly in the middle, right before they get into the title matches, oh, wait, we have an hour-long intermission for you to do nothing. Holy shit, man. We don't fucking need that. Um, it's so... It's just... Literally, everything Ryzen does almost everything well... Besides intermissions, and it's the easiest thing to take care of by either cutting fights or having or starting at a later time. It's just I can't believe they. I can't believe that like we yeah like you said there was three hours of intermissions. I have never. It's that is. It's just thinking about that. that mm -hmm. Like three hours of intermissions compared to nearly an hour of fights combined. These shows should be 
should be no longer than three or four hours. And it could have been. Instead, it was so artificially padded because of a because of Fuji TV, and I'm pretty sure the ratings were not going to be good for for that airing. They gotta they have to change up this this whole Ryzen intermission thing because it's it's so it's and, and so okay so so that was the second intermission. Do you know for the third intermission, you know why that happened? So since the the two, they. Since the Reina fight finished so fast, and the uh, Miyu Yamamoto Siohihan uh, match finished so fast as well, they had this. They had to have another intermission for those fights because they finished so. F they had another thirty minute intermission because yeah, because those fi those fights got finished before the third round. Mm, sad. It's really just. Uh they need to do something. They need to need to, They need to seriously. Man the fuck up and just stop with these stop cut down these intermission times because it's really gonna it's gonna so sincerely they're gonna lose they're gonna lose their audience domestically and internationally I can tell you that for a fact people are not gonna want to put up with put up with that they just want they just want things to keep moving and that's the thing these shows keep these shows are so great place and then suddenly oh intermission and it just it feels like. You just—it feels like you just hit a brick wall. It uh, sucks, man. Exactly. I don't know. What is there anything else you want to say about these, about these intermissions, Christian? Because I'm just—I'm just so over them. I'm so tired of them. Fuck them. The more they improve—I mean, the more they improve on diluting them, the more they improve on toning them down. Then I will start to enjoy the rising shows more, and I will start to, you know, enjoy watching these events more. However, they're just gonna basically, you know, annoy us with these fucking shows that don't end. I mean, if they're gonna annoy us with more intermissions and Less fights, obviously. Then what's the fucking point? We're just gonna be stuck over here, you know, falling asleep trying to stay up and watch the damn show. It's gonna suck for us to try and, you know, stay up to watch these shows. And here's the thing: uh, this is not a, entirely an east, uh, a western, east coast person complaining. That everybody was complaining, like I, you know, like there were people. In Australia, uh, Moni, Moni Sneaks. You know Moni Sneaks? Um, yeah, I know her. I know about her. Yeah, who does all the artwork for uh, fighters and all that stuff. Was she's uh, They're in Australia. And so, Australia, basically the same time as Japan, time zone Japan, also saying that, like, they couldn't keep up, they, they couldn't take these intermissions anymore. Um, Karev Fan, who I think is in California, Said the same thing as well. Everybody was complaining about these intermissions, no matter where you they were, because you're asking so much of your audience to just sit there and do nothing. And now also here's the thing as well. Think about 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 being in that arena. There's a giant typhoon going on. You can't go outside to, to have a smoke. You have to stay in that arena. You can do nothing. It's 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 it it was the worst time to have those intermissions. There in at these at the uh, Osaka Edeon Arena, and to have them going on internationally, it was 
I can't put into words anybody who's who's watching who watches the show on Take Delay and fast forward for those intermissions. I envy you so bad. I did not, unfortunately, have that op that 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 opportunity. But yeah, they gotta stop. These intermissions have to be. They have to be. They have to start time management. Gain gain better time management with these shows because man, it is fucking killing just just the heart and just like. How the excitement of all these shows that happen, it really is. It's just, it kills the excitement and it, it just, it just such, it just deflates you. Deflates you and takes all the energy out when you have to sit, when you're told, oh, sit here for an hour and a half. Mm, right. And make it feel like that you're not being held captive against your will. <laughs> exactly. I, I hope for New Year's Eve, I don't know. What's going to happen on New Year's Eve, you know? Here's the thing as well, I know that, you know, I think the Bellator Japan show is going to be aired on Paramount Network and on The Zone. Mm-hmm. You know that they're not going to do any three-hour intermissions. They ain't going to do that shit. Bellator... But hopefully it won't be taped delayed, though. I think it'll probably be taped delayed on Paramount, I have to believe. Um, here's the other thing as well. One didn't do any any intermission, any long intermissions, I, I don't believe. Um, somebody will have to correct me on that. Um, if that if they actually did, but man, guys, just rise and please, please do something about your intermissions. Not only for the sake of your international audience, but also for your domestic audience. We want uh-huh. we want the fight the these shows to flow so well. We want to feel. If you gotta do your like one thirty minute thirty minute intermission, fine. Go ahead and do that. Pace, you know. Branch out, you know, pace the show so that it, it, it works out like that. You can't do three hour intermissions. And if you come to America and something like that happens, you're going to have, you, you, you see what happened with Yair Rodriguez and Jeremy Stevens in Mexico? Trust me, you're going to be, you're going to have people doing that in in USA because you cannot tell an American audience, sit here for an hour and a half and do nothing. Hmm. Either that, or you're gonna have a shit ton of empty seats to close the show out. Oh, here's the thing: is well, yeah, you'll have people leaving the show, and then for your next show, no one's gonna come to the show because they're gonna tell all their friends, "Hey, they made us, They said we're gonna have to wait there an hour and a half and do nothing." Yeah, so no one's gonna want to do that. So, for Ryzen's sake, I hope you guys just just do something about the intermissions. Clean them up, please. Sincerely, clean them up. I have nothing else to say, Christian. My voice is starting to get hoarse. Andrew, sincerely, Andrew Benjamin and J. Christian Gary. Yeah. Of the We Are Rising podcast. <laughs> Christian, I got my voice is going hoarse. Now, with all that, now with all uh, that being said, you want to knock out these last four fights? Oh, please do. Please do. Let's knock them out quicker than, uh, than they actually went. <laughs> exactly. First of all, obviously... This fight was supposed to have been Shauna Jungli Ram versus Raina Kubota. Obviously, Jungli went out. No, obviously, Jungli had a concussion in training camp and she was forced off the car. We wish her nothing but the best in Maple Ridge, British Columbia, Canada. In her place was a, let's just say, a jobber from Spain. Named Alexandre Alvar, named Alexandra Alvarez Carlos, and let's just say 
she did not last long. You want to know the amount of time that she lasted in the ring with Raina Kubota? Um, what was her record, Christian? Her record prior to this bout was 0-3. Each of her losses were via first-round knockout. Wow. Raina, prior to this bout, was 8-3. Fresh off a loss to now Invicta veteran Lindsay the Damsel Van Zant at Bellator 222 in New York City this past summer. So again, I ask, do you want to know how long Alexandra Alvari Carlos lasted in the ring, Raina? Uh, how long did she last in, the, in this fight, Christian? Eleven fucking seconds. Eleven? I thought it was twenty seconds. Oh, well, shit. Either way, it lasted longer than it took for you to get a hot, to get a hot. Uh, what am I saying? It lasted longer than it lasted longer for you to see Raina kick somebody's ass than to get something to eat or take a piss. Mm. Oh yeah. <laughs> So again, you know, like we said, uh, this was originally supposed to be Shauna Ram, um, but Shauna Ram suffered a concussion. Um, I think with that fight, at least it would have been a little bit competitive, because uh, at least she had an MMA fight and won that MMA fight, and also she seems more like an MMA fighter. Um, I have no idea who Alexander Avali was before this fight. Um, and you don't want to know anything about her after? Yeah, uh, I really don't care. Um, what, what do you think? <laughs> of course, nobody does. Quick, quickly, Christian, do you think that she's rising worthy of her another? Uh, no. I had a feeling. I agree. I agree. I think you know, even regardless of, of what would have happened, we would have picked Reina. I mean, we all picked Reina anyway. Um, but Reina, what do you do for next? Well, to be quite honest. I mean, I really do not know what to do with her next because, I mean, you would have to think she's going to be an attraction unless somebody big and bad, you know, come to take her. But there's nobody really big and bad to, you know, face off against her unless you are looking outside of the shootboxing landscape. Mm-hmm. Well, I... Do I have, mean, I would probably have to think her next fight would be against Miu Yamamoto. Uh, that's actually interesting. I was going to say maybe do uh, a rematch between the two. Uh, they did have uh, a match previously, which uh, Reyna won by submission. I think it was, uh, was that, that, I think she won with a uh, guillotine choke in that match, if I remember correctly. Or, mm-hmm. um, but also, um, what about, uh, Lindsay Van Sant, when she talked to us, said that, that Ryzen was working on a rematch in Japan against uh, uh, a rematch between her and Reyna. So maybe for New Year's, we'll see uh, the damsel Lindsay Van Sant taking on Reyna once again. Hey, either that, or if the UFC doesn't pick her up, or if Invicta doesn't give her a title shot like they're doing with... No, either that, or if the UFC doesn't pick up Kanako Maranta after she defeats Emily Gordina Ducote at this upcoming Invicta show for the strawweight title, maybe have Marat to go over to Ryzen and face off against Reyna. Mm, I see, I see. Um, so I saw some people were not happy with this fight. They thought it was 
some people, I think even some well commenters said that it was disgusting that they paired up Reyna with this, with this, basically, jobber. yeah, this jobber. And some were some calling it one, the worst fight, and one of the reasons why they don't watch JMMA because, or Ryzen, because they ma- make matches like this. Any thoughts on that, Chris? On on those uh, comments, Christian? Fuck them. Okay. I mean, would you rather have would you rather have somebody over the age of fifty, more particularly a grandma fighter, face off against Gabby Garcia, knowing that they're not gonna win, or would you have somebody who is basically green as shit trying to fight somebody who is fresh off a loss and looking for a comeback? Yeah, well, exactly, exactly. Actually, question: Would you, would you maybe uh, try to do the Sean Ram match for New Year's Eve against Reyna, potentially, or if the Lindsey Van Zant fight doesn't happen, I would definitely want to see Sean Ram get a chance to have her international moment in the spotlight, and also if we get a chance to interview her, I'm pretty sure we wouldn't mind talking to her if she's okay. Exactly. Yeah. Um, other than that, there's really not much more else to talk about with this match. <laughs> well, except for this. In her post-fight speech, Raina thanked everyone despite her previous opponent dropping out at the last possible second, a.k.a. Shauna Brown. She thanked her jobber opponent for the competition. She's happy because she's a striker and she wanted to finish the fight. And, of course, she thanked everybody for coming out despite the bad weather. The Japanese are tough, but they can handle anything. <laughs> Actually, one of the other things I wanted to point out was that um, Alvare had a crazy beach uh, rash guard on. So I'm curious, does she train a crazy bee? Or was this like her reward for taking this fight on such short notice? It's probably her. It's probably her reward for taking an ass whooping. Because uh, I don't know, like, if she was one of those. She's 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 Spanish, but I don't know if she. They said she was from Spain or if she's like in Japan or something. I mean, it's such a short notice fight that I have to. I wonder if she does train in Japan, maybe at at Crazy Bee. Um, yeah, I think so. But then again. I mean, it was her first time fighting in Japan, so the jet lag probably might have shook, might have shook her like a yoo-hoo. Um, I don't even listen. I don't. I don't think. I think that um. I think that that regardless, uh, this fight could have been four years in the making. I think that that uh, that that Reina would would win no matter what, short notice mm. or long notice. Anyway, enough about this fight. Nothing really else to talk about it. Let's go on to the next match, which was actually important. Uh, yeah, let's go ahead and go to the fight that actually made a hell of a lot of sense going in. Because, of course, it was about between two competitors. One who was vying to face off against Sayaka Hamasaki for the third time. The other looking to become the second oldest competitor to vie for a world title. The second oldest being because of the fact that Yasuko Tamada lost an Invicta to Michelle Watterson for the Invicta Anime title five years ago. But still, either way, Hamdele Silva Sioki Ham upped her record to 22 and 8 and for once didn't get a decision by knocking out Miyu Yamamoto, who suffers her first finish loss in about two years via. 
KO. Hammer fist from the mounted position. Four minutes, 42 seconds of round number two. And of course, Miyu was pissed in the fight. Well, actually, Miyu was pissed after the fight, yelling all types of expletives, just like her late baby brother. But still, in the post-fight speech, Siyoki Hom said she was happy and sad. She explained that she was very excited to fight Miyu Yamamoto, but she started to feel sad for her as the fight moved on. She will train even harder for her third chance at facing off against Ayaka Anasaki because they fought each other before in the jewels ring, now deep jewels. Ayaka entered the ring and said with confidence that she will beat her for the third time. Tom responded by saying, I win no matter what. Let's be clear, you're not getting a third win off of me. So I have to ask, Siogi Han versus Ayaka Hamasaki 3. Is that a fight you would watch? And Miu Yamamoto, I mean, do you think that Miu Yamamoto, if she doesn't face off against Reina Kubota or Panaka Murata, do you think that Miu Yamamoto would probably be best off, you know... I mean, do you think it would be best? Because I don't want to say if she she can retire, but do you think it would be best for her to get back to training and learning how to finish in fighters? Um, as for the fight I'm looking forward to, I guess so, yeah. I'll be honest. I picked Miyu to win this I because I honestly thought Miyu would win, but also because I'd be curious to know how Hamazaki Miyu fight would go. Um, in terms of this third fight, it's been, how long has it been since their second fight? It's been quite a few years. I think more eight than five. Years. Eight years. Eight years. And this will be in Ryzen, obviously a different environment, not in Deep Jewels. So, I think, I think, you know, C.O. Um, so from what we've seen in Ryzen, she's 2-0 and in Ryzen and also has finished both her fights. So, I think it's, I think she definitely earned it. But just from more from a more personal perspective, I would have liked to see Miyu versus Hamazaki, but obviously that would not happen now. Um, Hamazaki, I mean not Hamazaki, uh, Miyu right now. Um, yeah, he's definitely gonna go on training because like you know we brought up how uh, Kawajiri Kitawoka before, um, and also how Kitawoka's Kitawoka before in his matches, but uh, Miyu also Kitawoka in this match. She tried for a takedown, Tom blocked it. And then Ham was just laying down hammer fist, hammer fist, and Ham was uh, the Miu was not changing position, was not doing anything to to defend herself. She just took kept on taking these shots, and these weren't like hard shots to the head. These are shots that like probably you know they hurt, but probably aren't like brain damaging. But you're still not defending yourself, so the refs got to stop the match, and not all the cursing in the world from Miu and uh, Ursan, who uh, cursed as they uh, came out. Uh, to the remixed uh, Kid Yamamoto entrance. Um, mm-hmm. With the Fat Boy Slim song to go with it. Yeah. Um, no, 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 cur- no, all that cursing world won't change the referee's decision because that's, you know, you gotta defend yourself properly. Um, Miyu's definitely gotta go back to train. She's gotta learn how to finish a fight. Here, the thing is that she's so good at what she does that almost like. She's not so good at everything else, but when she can, when she can do her whole wrestling grappling thing, she's almost guaranteed the win. I thought that this how this is how the fight was going. I thought she easily won the first round, and the second round it looked like she was it was gonna go towards that, but then obviously that didn't happen. But um, yeah, you got um, 
she's got to learn how to finish fights. She's got to, and it's very hard to say, like, can she at her age of 44 diversify herself as an MMA fighter at this age? It's very hard to, it's very, it's very, very hard. I mean, when did Randy Couture have his first MMA match, Christian? Or like, when did he become champion, USC champion? Um, it was in his 30s, right? Early 40s? Um, I would think it was in his 30s. I mean, I know he's fought in Pride. I mean, in Pride FC around the time he was in his 30s. Mm-hmm. Or early 30s. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. You know, people like to point to um to uh, Daniel Cormier uh, and uh, Couture as like two examples of two fighters who... Who who started in the game late, but then became champions and higher regard fighters. I mean, the thing is that they it seems like they were willing, you know, that they wanted to uh, learn the ins and outs of MMA uh, and learn the other aspects of martial arts. I don't know if Miyu and Miyu seems so set on just. Fighting one way, and she's so good at it that she doesn't that she ignores the other ways of winning, or competing in a martial arts match. Mm-hmm. Oh, and uh, by the way, Randy Couture won the UFC world title at the age of twenty-four. Randy Couture? Yes, Randy the Natural Couture. He won the UFC heavyweight title over Maurice Mo Smith. May he rest in peace. December twenty-first, nineteen ninety-seven. At UFC Japan, Yokohama Kanagawa, Japan. Didn't he start late in MMA, though? I thought that was the whole thing, that everybody likes to point to him as an MMA fighter who started late in the game. Oh, fuck, you're right. He was actually 34, not 24. I was like, there's no way he could have been been 24. He looked old. He's always looked old. And even if he was 24, I wouldn't believe it anyway. So, um... Okay, so he was 34, obviously 10 years younger than, than Miyu when she, uh, 10 years, uh, Miyu now, I should say. Um, I mean, I don't know. Is she willing to, you know, I guess if she's willing to learn the other aspects of MMA, she can improve, but it seems like, just from the way she fights, she she doesn't seem like she is. What, what do you say, Christian? What, what, does she, she seems to be a one-note fighter. I mean, to be honest, you would say that because of the fact that she only knows how to brutalize opponents. She doesn't know how to finish them like her brother used to. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, do I think she should call quits? Nah, I don't think so. What is she now? She five and three, five and four? Five and four. Five and four. Um... Like I said, if you want to put up against Reyna at New Year's Eve, I'm fine with that. I don't know. Uh, who is um, was it that um, Kanako Murata? Um, I thought she is she a 125? Is she is she atom weight fighter? Straw weight. She's straw weight. Oh, uh, I think she would murk uh, Miyu. Um, hmm. That she would. Yeah, I that she. The problem, you know... And Mizuki Inoue was still around outside. I mean, if... if in, what am I saying? And if Mizuki Inoue was still a non-UFC contracted fighter, she would probably murk me, you too. Oh, yeah. 
Um, what about this, about the potential? So apparently the Ham Hamazaki fight is going to be for New Year's Eve. Are you, is that a fight that you would be looking forward to if it does happen? And it, it is for the title, presumably, I'm hoping. Well, to be quite honest, I wouldn't mind if he for the title. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing that bout for the title. Mm -hmm. Oh, and you know what? Come think of it, I just realized something. Speaking of, you know, considering the fact that Hamasaki and, you know, considering the fact that Hamasaki and Shiohi Ham are two of the top three animal weight fighters in the world, if Jin Yu Frey doesn't have anything for Invicta coming up, I mean, I think a perfect fight for her would be against Miyu Yamamoto. Interesting, interesting. Um, given how she did a Ryzen against Hamazaki, mm, it'd be questionable. Um, but, you know, hey, you know what? Willing to give her another chance. I mean, Jin Yu Frey is a good fighter. Um, that would be an interesting uh, stylistic matchup as well. But, uh, yeah, we do have, you know, hey, if, if Hom gets injured or she can't make the fight for whatever reason, I definitely say put Miyu in there as a media replacement for the, um, for, uh, for Hamazaki. Because I just think it'd be a yeah, very interesting let fight. let her have her moment in the sun as the oldest fighter, male or female, to win a world title. Yeah, you know, I definitely think that, um, I definitely think it, it also just would be a very interesting match, um, stylistically. Um, other than that, do you have anything else to say about this match? Nah, I just hope that when it comes down to the Hamasaki Ham 3 fight, it'll be well worth our money's worth. And as far as Miyu Yamamoto goes, she's definitely going to have to work on her striking because if you think about it, her brother died last year. I think this year, Mark, I mean, this first fight she just had, I mean, this fight that she had marked the, marked one full year since Kid Yamamoto passed away. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it's sad that, you know, this happened. But still, I just hope that when it comes to Miyu, she would learn, I mean, she actually looks back at some of her brother's old fights and actually learn some striking techniques. Mm -hmm, absolutely. She's going to have, yeah, she's going to have some longevity. She's going to have to know how to finish folks. I mean, she hasn't had a finish in her MMA career as far as the five wins she got on her record count. Exactly, exactly. Because, yeah, she doesn't, she doesn't improve or doesn't diversify. She's going to, she's gained, going to get dangerously closer to gain that under 500 record that she initially used, had when she debuted. Mm -hmm. And it's like I said earlier in this podcast, if she's not going to evolve, she's going to dissolve. Exactly. Exactly. And considering the fact that she's 45, not 44, I mean, she's getting pretty damn close to dissolving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if we want to talk about dissolving, uh, one fighter's jaw got dissolved in the next match. Um, uh, yes. Ah, uh, yes, and this is the co-main event of the evening, the Bantamweight Contest, the possible number one contenders bout, as the upset special, as I coined him at the MMA opinion, Kai Asakura, up to his record to 14-1 and one with nine knockouts, knocking out Yuta Oka Sasaki, 23, I mean 22-8-2, 
with a brutal first round knockout, first round TKO actually, punches and soccer kicks that broke Oka Sasaki's jaw in two. And it's obviously no question that Kai wants Kyoji Horiguchi. Bison has no other choice but to make that rematch happen, which they probably will for New Year's Eve. But still, when it comes to Oka Sasaki, never mind the fact that he had a damn good entrance coming out to music from the late Mariko Honda and the late Avisi to go with his religious mortar entrance, but still... When it comes to Yuta Oka Sasaki after suffering this jaw injury from this knockout, do you think that his days as a fighter are pretty much numbered? Oh, I don't think so. So did you? They today Oka Sasaki released an X-ray of his of what his jaw looks like. Did you see it, Christian? Yeah, I seen it. It looks brutal. Oh, it looks nasty. Um, actually reminds me of um when Mark Hunt broke uh Stefan Struve's jaw in their matchup. Um, it's literally, oh my god, it's like literally like almost like clean down the middle. So in this match, yeah, they, they, they kind of like, just were like, were brawling, and then yeah, what happened was that he got this punch in on, on, on Oka Suzaki. Suzaki got back, oh, like, backed up, and then fell down, but then got back up. His mouth is bleeding, but like, from the way that his jaw looked, there was something wrong with his jaw. Um watching this match and I, the referee stopped the fight and then he had the doctor look at him and they're like oh yeah broken jaw you can't you can't uh you can't continue props to Suzaki though he was not giving up he didn't he, it was there's no indication that he was that he was going to give up at all or you know mm-hmm. you know say I can't continue um uh how long is this fight again Christian to be honest I don't know because I'll find out. I didn't really catch the time of... No, no, that's fine. That's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll find it. I'll find it in a second. Again, this was another first-round finish. Uh, by the way, the, this uh, this was 50... Uh, oh, wow. I can't believe that uh, Wikipedia doesn't have it. Hold on. Second. Either way, it was a pretty damn quick finish. Absolutely. Uh, 54 seconds. 54 seconds, so oh, not even a oh, minute. Damn, damn, it barely even lasted a minute? Second shortest finish on the card. First, obviously, being the Reina that, fight. Um, damn, I can't believe that. Um, Man, you know, we both picked Kai to win this, and we gotta say, Kai, you know, we initially said that this fight was stupid to make because if Kai lost it, then that basically would put him in the back of the bus for uh, title contention for Horiguchi. He, that didn't happen. He won this fight, and this fight was supposed to happen earlier this year. Um, but both fight Oka Sasaki got uh like some sort of like illness or whatever. So I guess they decided to book it now. And well, yeah, man, Kai Zakura, you know, he's that that rematch Horiguchi. Oh, by the way, we should also mention. So Horiguchi came in at, in the ring after a match. He handed Kai the belt and said, "I challenge you to rise in." So, cause uh, uh, to rise in on New Year's Eve, which is funny. Yeah, Horiguchi. Um, but man, you know Kai has been looking unstoppable. I actually think he looks better than Mikuru, um, so far. They Kai's, um, also a little um, some a little side note. 
on the Ryzen backstage press um, junket that they have in the official Ryzen um, uh, YouTube channel, uh, Kai Azakura's uh, interview has the most amount of views. I'm going to get the last, it was in the six digits um, last I checked. Let me double check which um, what it is at right now. It is currently, his interview, his, his post-fight interview is at 141,000 views. Damn. I'm surprised he didn't put that on his YouTube channel. Yeah. So I'm trying to think. In comparison, the second most viewed post-fight video is... Uh, Satoshi, uh, Roberto Souza, de Souza at 36,000. So it's a sec, it's second by like a large margin. Mm, but as far as the English speaking fighters, who has the most views there? Um, well, as for native speaking, native, if we're not going to count Miyu Yamamoto, who also speaks English, we're just going to count the native English speakers. That'd be Danny mm -hmm. Brown, Johnny Case. Uh, Johnny Case, um, Dean Brown has 1.3 thousand views, and Johnny Case has seven, a little over seven and a half thousand views. Oh, okay. But man, the, Kai Zakura, he's a fucking star, and I'm going to say this about Ryzen, make sure he's clamped down, because if he beats Horiguchi, even doesn't beat Horiguchi... I could see UFC making a call to him saying, hey, want to join our Bantamweight division? They better yeah, have him there. because, they... of course, if you don't have either Asakura brother clamped down, you're pretty much fucked. Yeah. This was, a, this was you know, I'm, I'm, they better be doing New Year's Eve, Horiguchi versus Kai, because that's a big money match. You can draw with that match now. If that's what you've are you excited for that match, Christian, if it happens? Oh, yes, most definitely. I am. And with the title I on the line. I am excited for that match because if you think about it now, the Asakura brothers have been tearing things up since they've been a part of Rising. And more specifically, Kai Asakura, you know, he's going to be looking to become a champion, obviously. He's going to be looking to become the first Rings the Outsider veteran to become a major world champion. So, you know, that would be cool to see, you know, one of Akira Maeda's pupils who got off the streets and made something of himself be a world champion in this sport. But to be quite honest, I think this has the potential to be probably even a JMMA bout between two native Japanese fighters. Probably ever. I mean, I'm not trying to disparage anything that Pride has done, anything that Sengoku has done, anything that Dream has done, or Deep, Shudo, Pancrase, anything. This may be the biggest JMMA fight ever. Well, here's and the, I look forward to seeing it. Here's the thing. I guess if you want to say in the modern era of JMMA, it's, it's probably the biggest since pure MMA match, because the last biggest one you could say was the tension... Uh, the Koroguchi match, but that was a kickboxing match. 
So that doesn't. Mm -hmm. And it was this generation's version of Masato versus Ki Yamamoto. Exactly, but if you want to go for pure MMA, pure MMA match, definitely this one can can definitely be of the modern post Pride era, post Dream, post Pride uh, era of JMMA. And man, you know, I hope I hope it works out. Um, question: I, uh, Do you think that the the, the Kura brothers have been compared to the Diaz brothers? Do you think that's an apt comparison? I think so. I mean, I don't see why that comparison hasn't been made ad nauseum. Um. So for Okazaki, he has a broken jaw. He's gonna. That means he's gonna be out for quite a while. I would guess maybe six months minimum. Because that's going to require surgery. He's going to probably have to get pins or some type of screws in his jaw um, for faster recovery. Um, he also lost some teeth as well. He might have to get those replaced, um, surgically put in as well. So he's going to be out for at least six months, I am guesstimating. So if he has any more fights arising, we will definitely not see him at New Year's Eve at all. And I'm guessing probably by... Don't think of it, there's probably a chance we won't see him at all in 2020 because a broken jaw is nothing to sneeze at. That takes at least six months to two years to come back. And not only your speech has... Not only that, but your speech has to, you know, be re-perfected again. Yeah. So I don't even know if I want to even... Because we always like to say, hey, you know, who like the fight, you know... We don't even know what the landscape of, of what Ryzen and JMMA will be next year. So I don't even want to, like, hypothesize who he could, could fight. All, he, all we should say is that, you know, we wish him the best, you know, in his recovery. Hope he heals sooner rather than later. And, we, well, you know, hopefully he can make a return to a, a Ryzen ring at some point. Uh-huh, exactly. Want to go on to the main event now, Christian? Ah, uh, yes, the main event that many people probably didn't stay around for. Uh, Iron Hillbilly Fabio Maldonado versus Yuri Denisha Plohaska, the rising light heavyweight champion of the world, with a combined 36 knockouts between them. This one wasn't planned to make it past the first minute, least alone the first round. And if you guessed that the fight ended in a first round knockout, Congratulations! You're right. Yuri Prohaska upped his record to 25 and 3, knocking out Fabio Maldonado at 25 and 14, as if it was Michael the Bounty Hunter knocking out Fabio Maldonado <laughs> via first round TKO. One minute, 13 seconds. <laughs> and of course, in his post fight speech, Yuri, in clear English, thanked the fans for the support because. He believes that Japan is the best and Ryzen is the best. He's also open to a fight at the New Year's Eve card, Ryzen 20. He's open to a title defense or anybody against anybody that Ryzen or Bellator puts in his way. Hmm. Now, a couple of things I got to ask. One, Maldonado. Is he done in MMA, or is he just going to go back to... I mean, is he done in MMA? Is he going to go back to boxing? Is he going to retire from combat sports altogether? Or is he just going to go back to Brazil and, you know, think of this as a fever dream or something? And as far as Paul Hospital goes, the main fight 
that's probably there for him is possibly him versus Brian Darth Vader. Barring any circumstances, I mean, because of course that there, I mean, because of course there are a few fighters that want to challenge Vader from both promotions. But barring any circumstances, do you think that Vader versus Prohaska is a go for either the Bellator Japan card or New Year's Eve? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we'll. Uh, I don't think we'll ever see Fabio Maldonado back in a riser ring. I think I don't know if he's gonna go back to boxing or MMA or whatever. Um, Fabio Maldonado looked like shit in this match. He got punched in the eye and and just like closed up apparently. Um, I'm gonna read a little thing from the post fight presser that uh, Sakaki Barra said. That's gonna put some more um, context behind why Maldonado and other fighters don't get called back to Ryzen. He said, "This is what Sakaki Barra said. This is all translated by Karev fan." He said, I tell the fighters to not get caught up in wins and losses. Of course, it is a big deal for them as athletes, but ultimately, the audience audience judges. That's what's important for a pro. Take Tiger, for example. He may have lost, but today, he had a performance that reached many people's hearts for the first time. He did come to me crying after the fight, though. Just because you lose doesn't mean you won't you get any more chances. But I will never work with Maldonado, who is in the main. I can't use a fighter who stops feeling shame towards a loss. It is truly embarrassing. I need to better ascertain the fires. He's a different person than who fought Fedor, Fedor and he just came here to take a nap. <laughs> so So basically what Sakaki Barr said is I'm not gonna take fighters. I mean I'm not gonna take in fighters who are only coming to take my paychecks. Exactly, yes, and you no know, basically he confirms that Maldonado will probably never will never be back in Ryzen again. Deservedly so, because Maldonado, who I thought was going to be a tough matchup for Jiri, looked like a total bum. He looked out of shape. He looked, he was slow. He's going bald. He's clearly, he's losing it. He's going, whatever. His his hairs on his head are thinning. He's He looked like shit in this match. Jiri looked, like, looked incredible, as always, because Jiri has looked not looked bad in any fight besides the one fight that he lost against King Mo. Regarding the Darth, the Darth Vader match, I think that's a match to make. Who else do you put up of Jiri up against? He's gone through almost every light heavyweight that that Ryzen has put up against him. He he he's gone through every he- light heavyweight. Just I should say every uh, um he he got his loss against King Mo avenged. Um, I mean, I guess the only other person you could put up against is maybe Jake Kuhn in a rematch, but I think that Jake I don't think that Jake Kuhn is ready for that match yet. I think he's got to get at least two more wins, maybe. Maybe three. Um, you know, Ryan Bader had one of the, one of the best runs, uh, best, you know, comeback runs of MMA last year when he when he went through that heavyweight tournament and beat Fedor, he beat Mitrione, uh, he beat King Mo as well. Um, who did he beat for the light heavyweight title? I think it was Phil Davis he beat, right? Yeah, he beat him. He, he beat, beat Phil Davis, he beat Mr. Phil, Wonderful. He beat Mr. Wonderful. Phil Davis, um, he's a double champ in Bellator. He's, you know, he had, how many, he tried defending the heavyweight title this year against uh, Czech Congo, but that ended because of a phantom eye poke or something. I don't even know how that how that fight went about. Um, mm. And, of course, that is my concern. 
Mm. You're going to have Chet Congo looking for his rematch for the heavyweight title. But, I mean, still, I guess this is the fight. I mean, the fight between Vader versus Prohaska is the one that we should be keeping our eye on if it's going to happen. Absolutely. It will be the best way to to cement a, a non-John Jones top lightweight in the world. Because let's be honest, John Jones is probably the top lightweight, light heavyweight in the world right now. Ryan Bader is number two. Well, actually, John Jones is also a walking problem. Yeah. Oh, but besides that, um, but right now, um, yeah, Ryan Bader is, is is a solid number two, and if Jerry beats him, Jerry could definitely say he's number two light heavyweight in the world. Ryan Bader beats him, you could definitely say that he's number. He's he's he's. That he's still number two in the world, and maybe you know could be number one with, with a few more tiled defenses, and you know doesn't fuck up like John Jones. I think that's a fight to make for New Year's for either Bellator or for New Year's. Um, I'm gonna let Ryzen or Bellator figure out whatever. Maybe there'll be like some sort of like bouncing out of, you know, of that. You know, you know maybe they'll defend the the maybe. Hmm. If Koraguchi like defended both his belts on hit uh, on the uh, Ryzen show, you know maybe they should have uh, Bader defend his on the on the Bellator show or something like that. I don't know. Um, what do you think, Christian? That's a fight. That's a fight that you gotta make. Jiri versus Bader. I think. I don't think there's really nothing else. Indeed, there isn't. Because if anything, even though again. Competition for both of Fader's Bellator belts is high. I think Rising, I mean, I think Bellator's expectation for Fader is that they want to see him get a third belt. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, imagine that would be, will that be a first to be not only uh, a two division champion in your home promotion, but a but a champion in a, from another promotion? That would definitely be a first. I mean, Hori Gucci's already a two-belt, two-promotion champion. Um, yeah, I, what would you have on the Bellator show or the Ryzen show? What would you try to what would you try to book it for? I would have that fight booked for the Bellator Japan show, though, because you would want to have that fight be the co-headliner to Rampage versus... Fedor, because you don't want to have, you know, you don't want to have Fedor and Rampage stink up the joint and not have anything to fall back on if the Bellator Rising series goes one-sided. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, um, it's like, yeah, I mean, I mean, I did see some people suggest, you know, um, if you want to do Bellat uh, Bellator and uh, Rise again, re- rematch uh, Nemkov and Jiri from their first match that they had at the uh, at the open weight. Um, sorry, not the open weight, the heavyweight uh, Grand Prix when they faced off. But I think I think I think that Bader is the more money match. I think it's a more interesting match as well, honestly. Um, anything else you want to say about this? I mean, what else is it? Fabio Maldonado got his ass kicked. Jerry won. Yeah, that's basically what. That's basically the story. That's what happened. I have really nothing else to say about this match. 
all I can say is if Maldonado is done with professional MMA, if he is done with professional MMA, I just hope that when he goes back to Brazil and take that one more paycheck fight, it'll be his last paycheck he'll get out of professional MMA because he should just now stick to boxing. You already lost to a top contender in Michael Hunter, who's going to probably be a top heavyweight contender in general. And I think that when it comes down to it, he's best used. He should be best used for the sweet science instead of, you know, stinking up yet another cage. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, overall, though, Christian, I'm, I want to get your thoughts. What was your... What, in your opinion, was the fight of the night and pick two performances of the night? I think we can both agree that probably entrance of the night was, was to Oka Sazaki since he's the only one who put much more um, thought into his entrance than everybody else. Hmm. My fight of the night, obviously, it was... Well, as far as the decisions go... My fight of the night, as far as the decisions, is Tiger versus Taiju. My knockout of the night, it goes to... Shit. My knockout of the night, I'm going to have to give it to a couple of performances. My knockout of the night goes to Kai over Oka. And... And... Kato versus Marco Giorgio. Nice. Nice. Um, and those two would also give my performance of the night as well. And as far as entrance of the night, well, I haven't really paid much. I mean, I can't really say much on entrances because I was more focused on the entrance themes. But my entrance theme of the night... It would have to go to. Uh, it would definitely have to go to Opus. No, wait, actually, it wouldn't go to Opus Sasaki because he lost. Yeah. It would have to go. Yeah, as far as the winners are concerned, it would have to go to Patricky Pitbull because, of course, yeah, I know nobody really finds any interest in Pegador Lewis. Pop the Prince Dog, pop the Pop the Prince Dog. But the way that he came out to that song, and, and yeah, even though Pergador Luol, he is known a few times in the States for, you know, having songs with Usher and shit, but still, you couldn't deny that when Patricky Pitbull came out to that particular song that somebody was going to get their ass kicked. Unfortunately, that night, it just had to be Patricky Pit. I mean, unfortunately for that night, Patricky Pitbull just had to kick the ass of Tatsuya Kawajiri, and I think Kawajiri's days might be numbered. So instead of an entrance of the night, I had to go with entrance themes of the night. My pick went to Patricky Pitbull Fury. Mm, mm, nice, nice. Now what about you? What's your, what's your performance of the night? What is your knockout of the night? And what is your entrance of the night? Because you've probably seen more of the show than I did. I gotcha, yeah. So, fight night goes to Taiju Shiratori and Taiga. Um, you know, the third round definitely helped. 
you know, in that because it became like a much more nail-biting fight after that third round. Because uh, it looked like Tiger was going to be on the losing end, and then he just made this comeback. Um, for the performance of the night, well, my God, there was like all but two fights ended. It ended in a, in a decision. All but all the, the two of the fights were were finishes. So, and all and almost all of those finishes ended in the first round. You have to remember that. Oh, exactly, exactly. So, I would have to give one performance of the night to Kaizakura. With the way that he stopped Okazazaki breaking his jaw. That's always impressive mm-hmm. to break somebody's jaw. Now, you see, here's the thing. Reina Kubota might have finished her her fight in 20 seconds, but she fought a bum. She fought an 0-3 fighter. You know, I don't think you deserve a performance of the night finishing someone that, that quickly. Uh, who's that bad. In terms of... Uh, and that helpless. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. In terms of the other... Performance tonight, I'll give I'll give the pat to Patricky Pitbull for that knee and punches to Kawajiri. Um, you know all the other all the other lightweight fa- matches got got finished with punch some sort of punch, but the extra knee I like knees I like seeing jumping knees in um in matches so that was very fun to see. Enter the night. Okazaki also with the whole amazing grace thing was also cool. I'm not so much a music guy so. When you so when all these like songs are like come out, I usually don't know like what the fuck is going on. You know some of these songs, so. And that's why you got somebody like me who has a keen ear for music. You know to, I mean to actually, you know, use Google in a way that I was able to. I mean, shit, I was able to actually pinpoint which songs came out. I mean, which songs the fighters came out to, with the exception, of course, of Marcos Yoshio de Sosa, because his theme was hard to decipher. Gotcha, yeah, of course, of course. But, you know, and I'm going to read some comments as well from people. Um, I put out uh, what they thought of the card. Bimmy and Jimmy, who is at Bimmy and Jimmy, one word, on Twitter, said, My highlight of the night was Frank Trigg calling Inoki Bombaye, Inoki Kumbaye. Oh my fucking god! I mean, still, he had the nerve to basically call it that, knowing that Inoki would probably slap the shit off of him. So funny because I I missed that. I can't, I don't remember that that happening as well. Um, uh, I'm gonna have to go back and listen to that. Uh, J Wolf One at J Yolf, uh, Y O L F One said that everything was fantastic except for the intermissions and everything you mentioned there. Is exciting as fuck. Can't wait. And when I asked him uh, for more specifics, he said that Musayev was the uh, fight of the night. Musayev versus Brown. Case and Kai performance of the night. Pride rule for Pride rule finishes as well. Um, and Sazaki and e- Sazaki entrance of the night for playing the entire Amazing Grace. And John underscore Hartford at underscore at John underscore Hartford said that. Um, that it was an awesome car full of finishes and intermissions. So, we're not the only ones that are pissed off about intermissions as well, but who love the car as well. This was a fantastic card. I would absolutely show this to everybody. Anybody who wanted to see like what a Ryzen show was about, and just fast forward for all those fucking intermissions. And you'd get, it'll be like, it's, this, I think that this show was, one, the Ryzen 11 card might be my favorite Ryzen card of all time. But I think, I think this one is one step below because of those intermissions, really. Um... But my god, it was a fantastic card. 
other than that, so many great finishes. We got a great lightweight tournament to look forward to. We got so many potential matches. You know, we got this Ham Hamazaki match. We got a Bellator Ryzen thing. Kai Kyoji too. It's got a lot of great things for this New Year's Eve show coming up, right, Christian? Yep, exactly. And we're gonna be able to try our best to document it all, even if it means just us uh, shooting the shit. Exactly, exactly. And now, Christian, it's almost 5 a.m. where I am, so I want to just pass it off to you to do all of our salutations and social media stuff. Okay, let's go ahead and get that shit out the way, because I know it's getting late on my end, too, at 3.45 a.m. Central Standard Time. But still, those of y'all who want to check out our show, listen back to us, listen back to what we had to say, Feel free to check us out on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and hopefully soon on all of your favorite podcasts and apps of choice. And we're going to try our best to update our YouTube channel. But still, we're on Twitter at WeAreRisingPod, W-E-A-R-E-R-I-Z-I-N-P-O-D, all in one word. On Twitter, of course, I mentioned before, I'm at ChrisGary92. He, Andrew Benjamin, it's at abenja1, A-B-E-N-J-A-1. You follow us, we'll be sure to follow you back. Focus Fights will cover, well, eh, let me get that done over. Focus Fights, we cover all prospects from the world of MMA and beyond, the scenes of every corner of the fight world except Antarctica, unless they grow fighters and igloos, will be emphasize you can follow us on all forms of social media facebook twitter and instagram at focus fights we do have a youtube channel you can subscribe to us there but we do have to work on our url because we don't have any idea how to get that shit to work still you can check us out on all forms of social media at focus fights just the ones that i mentioned Facebook.com slash the MMA opinion is the best down fight blog, period. As we do our best to try and cover every single fight result that come our way, or just inform you with useless information. But still, I think that's all the points we got out. Oh, and a couple more things. First of all, if you want to check out the rest of the Fight TV fight calendar, and I hope that you order this card back because aside from the intermissions it was 45 minutes of great fighting but still if you want to check out the fight tv calendar you need to first download the fight tv app available for ios or android or any type of device that carries a digital communicate i mean a piece of digital communication or just go to the fight.tv website fight.tv Check out their schedule. Tell them on all forms of social media, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram, that you're excited for the fight. And, you know, maybe they'll probably, you know, like you or retweet you or basically say how much they enjoy, you know, say how much they enjoy your fandom. But still, Fight TV, hashtag fight like you mean it. F-I-T-E, by the way. And as far as the Rising Fighting Federation is concerned, if you want to check out more about them, they are on Twitter in Japanese at Ryzen underscore PR, in English at Ryzen underscore English. They are on Facebook, Twitter, no, 
They are on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube under the Rising Fighting Federation handle. So if you want to check those out, and if you want to get connected with the best damn JMMA promotion around, be sure to check them out on all forms of social media and tell Nobuyuki Sakaki Bara how excited you are for not only the Bellator Japan card for Scott Poker, but also the upcoming Ryzen 20 card. Because, of course, we here, at the Re- ah, we here at the We All Rising podcast will do everything we can to cover it all. And it's just like the legendary Lenny Hart always said. Just like that, we out this mug. Talk to y'all later. <laughs> Peace.